11 o'clock comics, episode 50. Fitty. Episode 50. Fitty? Woohoo, again. <laughs> From the top or? Uh, no, just, oh, just uh-uh. say woohoo again. Talking like that because I was cut you right off. I could do it with that. I'm not a bitch. They were talking like I don't even know what language it was on the forum today. And they're like, yo, quick dog, mother, my bro. Like, That's barely English. Just hanging back barely. in the cut listening to this here, homie. Uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to 11 O'Clock Comics. I am Vince B. Hola, como esta? <laughs> <laughs> Mi nombre es... <laughs> oh, God, it's English. Oh, beautiful English. Uh, I'm Christopher Neesman. I'm David Price. I am Groot. No. <laughs> you did it. That was a terrible impersonation of a tree. You oh. are Jason Wood in the house. Wood. I am canteen assistant Tommy Brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well played. No, no, he's not. He's our special guest for this episode. One of the family. Special like Olympics? No, special special, special like our, our brother, our partner, oh. our, our friend, Brian Salmonella. What's his name? Brian Salamander? Salad Bar. No, it's Sal from Around Comics. Brian Salazar. Yay. 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 Hi, Sal. What's up, boys? What's up? He mocks because he loves. Yeah. Don't mock. He's probably the most agreeable person on our forum. Right, if you didn't talk about us, what the hell would they be talking about on this show? Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that that shit. What did Tom say? Our our uh, forum <laughs> is ninety percent emoticons and ten percent lolcats. Yeah, because that's all that goes on. That's it, baby. There's no one's having a conversation over here. You guys are a little happy with those emoticons, I will say. Oh, you're right. We are. But it's just because we have so right? much overflowing emotion towards each other. We just love each other. There, it has to be shown by a picture. Words That's can't it. do it. But you yeah. can't say it. Use a winky. I go on vacation. I come back, and there's a uh, uh, swinging like X-rated <laughs> yeah, swinging dick emoticon. I'm like, come on. I love the tip. The tip is red. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a bomb uh, or a sal for that. Sal bit it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did you guys happen, anyone happen to see, um, I don't know if anybody watches the animated show Super News. It's the guys that did that twubble with Twitter thing that was on YouTube, but 
they did a whole little skit on emoticons and and sort of their destiny in life. They all have an individual destiny that they must meet, and it was uh, it was very uh, very clever how they how they played on uh, a guy talking to his girlfriend and using too many emoticons. Kind kind of the equivalent of keep asking the woman, is everything okay? Yeah, you're all right. <laughs> Where was this well, now? Know. Was this online or was this on, on TV? It's online. It's online. It's it's a channel called uh, Current TV, which was actually I found out um, founded by um, former presidential hopeful. Uh, oh, what's his name? The guy that in- invented the internet. Al Gore. Al Gore. Al Gore. Thank Al you, thank Nader. You. Ralph Nader. No, Al Al Gore founded this television channel and i think it was initially online but it's on cable now but you can go to currenttv.com i think and watch all the episodes and stuff they're they're, they're pretty funny they're pretty good stuff neat so so speaking so, of low, low cats mm-hmm. i i honestly have to admit something i i did not know that there was an actual concept of low cats until oh wow this week i thought that that was just something that alan <laughs> made up. Oh, <laughs> these are great, man! I thought I was out of the loop. <laughs> yeah, and then they mentioned. I think Tom mentioned Lolcats on the episode of AC, and I was like, "Oh, it actually has a name." I'm like, oh, oh, it's wow, beyond that, it's, it's like a whole, it's like a whole subculture. Word. Yeah, then I googled it. So there's whole sites. Yeah, there's whole yeah. sites to do it. Yeah. It's fetishist kind of thing. It's kind of like the furry guys, those people that dress up in those friggin' oh, costumes. What do, you, what do you mean those? Come on, Vince. What do you mean those guys? Hey, I do like Chewbacca, and it's okay to dress up like mm-hmm. him every once in a while. All right, well, I tell you what, what's up. We, we got a full boat tonight and what to talk about. You want to get the drink the drink roll call rolling? Sure. All right. Uh, uh, well, how about uh, our special guest this week, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Salazar? I am drinking some uh, some Crystal Head Vodka on the rocks. Did you did you meet the man himself? No, I did not. I just I just went to the liquor store and bought a, a bottle because I don't even like vodka all that much, but I just couldn't pass up a vodka bo- bottle. Yeah, it's the the glass. Sweet. Skull. Yeah, the Dan Aykroyd. Uh, yeah, that's the the Dan Aykroyd vodka, and he was he was just here uh, in Chicago. What a couple places doing. Uh, yeah, Benny's. He was doing a big thing at Benny's and. Yeah, a few other places, but I just happened to uh, to run over to the liquor store and grab a, a bottle. It's pretty good. Um, it's it's uh, like I said, I'm not a huge vodka drinker. I mean, I'll occasionally have a martini, but um, it's pretty smooth. It uh, it has a nice flavor to it. Um, but I don't give a shit. It's it's a fucking bottle of vodka that's shaped in the in a skull. So neat. I'll nice. pour it out and fill it with water for all I give a shit. <laughs> Did you know that? Dan Aykroyd is huge into ufology, and supposedly he purchased, remember a few years back, there was that big O'Hare airport thing where they, they there was reports going around that they, there was a huge UFO over O'Hare? Dan yeah. Aykroyd supposedly owns the footage to that. Really? Well, yeah, and I don't, want, I don't know why he's sitting on it, but he's, he's probably doing some kind of special DVD. You know, these people like to make money. But, yes, yeah, for... Um, all we know, and we meaning people who follow this shit, Dan Aykroyd owns that footage. He ain't afraid of no ghosts. No, he's not. Well, <laughs> he, he was the driving force behind Ghostbusters because he enjoys all this stuff. He, well, you know, he, Ghostbusters was supposed to be, you know, like a serious right, serious look at it, not the comedy that it ended up being. 
initially. There you go. Very cool. Well, okay. Well, next down the line, Mr. Uh, Mr. Wood, number two. Uh, well, like my boy Snoop Dogg, uh, <laughs> I'm not rolling down the street. I'm not smoking Endo, but I am sipping on gin and juice. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what kind oh, of gin? Feel. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of gin you got there tonight? Uh, Tanqueray. Okay, there you go. Nice. Uh, Mr. Price? Uh, I'm continuing the Barefoot Vineyard, and uh, and this time I bought a bottle of uh, Shiraz. Huzzah. Huzzah with the Shiraz. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> Mr., uh, Mr. B, how about you? I'm trying something new. It was on sale. It's uh, Yingling Premium in, in cans, unfortunately. The case was 11 Boy, nature bucks. I, th- yeah. I, I think you're just making shit up now. No, Yingling Premium. Since it was on sale, I was expecting, you know, a white can that just said beer in black letters. <laughs> no, if for for a, can, a case was 11, some, 11 bucks, 11 something. How could you say no? It's Yingling. You know it's going to taste good. And it's cheap. There you go. When a beer yeah. says premium, though, it's pretty much a guarantee it's not premium. Well, that's okay. It tastes good. It's not nearly as good as lager. It kind of tastes like Miller a little bit. What's the one? What's the one here in Chicago, Sal? Uh, special export? Well, spe- yeah, special export is. I don't know what the hell where that comes from. Is that a Chicago think, brewery? Yeah, dude, I think it's like G Heilman. I think I oh. think that's it's it's what's left over after the old style. Oh damn! Oh. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> and uh, and I am uh, I am drinking some uh, delicious ice cold American water. Oh boy. How, the kind oh, of won't give you diarrhea because of the <laughs> vacation you're you're holding it's, off. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little dehydrated because I think I just about drank my weight in cervezas this this week. So <laughs> so I'm uh, the, keeping it real. Yeah, I was watching was watching the the water intake there. I had to be real careful about it. So uh, yeah, a little dehydrated. So I'm uh, enjoying enjoying some water. So but I've uh, I've got a slice of lime in it to you know. Make it make it you know feel like I'm still on vacation a little bit. So that's uh, yeah, I want to be on the wagon until about Saturday or so. I think kind of dry out. I'm just glad you made it back all right because I was starting to feel you know I'd be really freaked out if something would have happened and all the shit we gave you <laughs> last week. That just... Yeah. The, wait, a, the wait 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 is is this Brian actually coming close to sounding like he cares oh, for someone? Oh shit. Oh, well, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with whether or not Chris would have made it back alive. It's just as a matter of my own personal having to deal with, you know, telling people that Chris died in a, you know, sniper. Oh, so it's Mexican. yeah. I, I, that, that, I told Renee you guys were going down to Mexico for vacation. She's like, "What the fuck is wrong with Chris and Murder?" Purely for well, selfish and, reasons, of course. And all, yeah, and, all, yeah, and yeah. on the on the episode that that has yet to come out on AC, and, you know, I pretty much kind of preemptively tell everyone goodbye because at this point <laughs> they they had me so fucking convinced that I was going to die down there, either either by you know getting poisoned or kidnapped or you know whatever. But uh, no, it, it, it honestly it was wasn't like that at all and I didn't expect it to be like that but I was actually really surprised by um, uh, I, I never felt threatened never felt weirded out by anything and we were in Acapulco which is um, nice but it's still very very much Mexico um, it, great food 
great drink. It was it was really a nice time, and I uh, enjoyed Mexico a lot. So I know people are getting kind of like freaked out. Well, while we were down there, we had CNN on in uh, in the room that we were staying in, and there was like a special report on CNN: Mexico murder, mayhem, kidnapping, and it was like okay, <laughs> weird. It's like okay, let's go on down to the beach. No, it was it it was fine. I we didn't feel weirded out by anything the entire time. It was it was a great vacation. Is it topless beach? Um we were close to a topless beach. Oh, but close is good I, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, no. binoculars close. Well, you know, this is the thing. Tourism is really down and this is like spring break is going on right now, but it really felt like a resort town in total off season. There seriously guys, there were not that many um, hot bods running around the beach. It, uh, it was besides yours. It, it was honestly. It yeah, was, did you really uh, want to see Christopoulos? I've seen him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it felt a little bit more like a um, retirement community. It was a lot of retirees down there, which was fine. It was kind of the the pace we were looking for. I read a lot and and just sat on the on the beach and drank beers. And I tell you what, it is nice to get a a good beer on the beach for like ninety cents. Whoa! Really? Yeah, yeah. Beer was beer. Beer and food was cheap, cheap, cheap. Well, I'm glad you're back, buddy. Yes, I'm glad to be back. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> th- thanks for taking care of stuff while I was gone. So, oh, my pleasure. This is Dow, and uh, you know, just League of America 31, which was it was not a bad book. The art wasn't. That bad. It, it looked better. Shine, Shane Davis's art did look better in Green Lantern, Red Green Lantern. And I know he could do better than this, but I, it might have been the inking or whatever off. But the art was still good. Still good than a lot of other books I've seen. But I think McDuffie's run has really been, like David said, it, it's been chained up by all this Final Crisis shit they got to link up. I mean, this is. You know, having the big three on the team, just, just he hadn't been doing anything. Every book he, when he says he got in the book, it was Final Crisis this, Final Crisis that. And, I mean, it, it's just, I think editorial has just really fucked up JLA. I think that's what it is. So now that he has a new team he's going to come up with, he's not going to have the, three, the big three on it. Maybe now he'll have a chance to really do something with this team. It'll be it won't be big names, but maybe he can do something with the new team and run with it. So that's my two cents on it. Later. Before we get into something, we have to remind everyone that we have that episode fifty-two question thread up on our forum, which you can find at www.11o'clockcomics.com. How about that? And uh, if it's any indication, uh, it's going to be a long episode because the questions are <laughs> flooding in. We and, can be selective, you know. Well, you know, <laughs> if they're taking the time to ask, we should at least take the time to answer in some way. I mean, it's just common courtesy, right? See, see, this is where I start acting like Sal in that I, I, I don't really care. <laughs> oh, you don't mean that. No, he that that's his evil influence on you. You do not mean that. That's the water talking, Chris. That's right. I, well, first off, I mean, 
I take a bit of umbrage with that. It's I, <laughs> I care. I just you know at some point I have you know I have to balance between you know a life and it's pleasing <laughs> everyone that listens to the show. I can't. And I you can't. and you and you have taught me well, Master. Well, <laughs> well, well let's say this: we'll, we'll try our business. best, right? We'll yes. try our best. Yes, answers. absolutely. Because yeah, you're. I mean, they have, they have been asking, and they've been asking some fantastic questions. And some, some might be a little lengthy, but some I think we might have similar answers on. So if if Wood answers a question that you know most of us or one two of us else agree with, then you know well, the chances we, of that. That, that well, looking at some of the questions, I think there might be more than a couple. Okay, I, I, I and, haven't looked. Uh, are, are they are they pretty much comic book related? Because they are. No. I don't, I, I don't want to no. be you know getting into stuff like what color nipple rings Vince has that kind no, of I said, stuff. Those are the some questions. some, some are alcohol, some are about uh, music. I mean, it's it, it covers the gamut, but it's it there are as as the thread states, there are some ground rules. There there are only you're only allowed two questions, and and as long as you ask them by April fifteenth. Depending on when we record, um, you can go back and edit your question, but uh, but everybody only gets two, and uh, and and that's that that's pretty much the main thing. I mean, the, there are two other ground rules, but they're on the thread and they yeah. they pertain to the thread. But as far as just asking questions, you want to ask a question, you come to the forum. If you're not on it yet, register and you'll be able to ask your question. Yeah, fun stuff. I was just going to say uh, for for listeners that may be interested, um, subsequently, Tom. Caters, myself, Mike Norton, and John Suntress will be reenacting that entire episode, um, pretending to be you guys as mimes or <laughs> cool. and, and answering all those questions that in a future episode of Around Comics. Oh, Who's going to be Wood now? Who's going to play me? I need to know. Um, I, Mike Norton, see, come on! I think Norton. Yeah, no, you. Yeah. Norton will play you. <laughs> Great. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to be Vince. Yes. Uh, Tom. Tom is going to be uh, Chris. <laughs> and Suntress will go back between um, between David and Daryl uh, voicemails. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. I was just—he's the man of many voices, so he can he can really it. he can pull it off. <laughs> Let's take care of some more business. I have, and David has another fanzine flashback. How about that? Go. Go. That's, that's this nice. is from the comic reader, number one sixty-six, March nineteen seventy-nine. Those of you that believe that no more DC-Marvel collaborations would appear will be shocked to learn that the two companies have apparently signed contracts that provide for tabloid team-up comics to appear annually for the next four years. I don't remember that. The, <laughs> the, the second book to co-feature Spider-Man and Superman is slated to appear this year, and it will co-star TV stars Wonder Woman and the Hulk. Marvel will handle the production on the issue, with current plans calling for Roy Thomas to write, John Basima to pencil, with Joe Sinnott mentioned as a possible inker. Then in 1980, DC will take over production of a Wonder Woman Hulk team-up, obviously counting on both characters' ability to retain their TV shows. Whether or not Roy Thomas will attempt to clarify the exact plane of reality all of these books appear on has not yet been decided. That's funny. That's where you're supposed to, you're supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> Oh, good you'll lord. Let, you'll edit that in later. Yes. Yeah. Some dealers have been dropping their orders on the Weird World issues of Marvel Super Special because of Mike Plug's refusal to work under the Marvel contract. Oh, wow. <laughs> However, Marvel's Ralph Macchio is quick to assure us that the new art by John Basima, inker Rudy Nebras, and colorist Peter Ledger, 
an artist from Australia, is probably the finest that John has ever done and certainly the finest thing we have turned out yet in this department. Listen to that. And it was very nice art. Do you guys remember the Weird World specials? A little bit. Mm, nope. Oh, they're fantastic. They had fold-outs. They were, they were a mixture of Lord of the Rings. and this was ni- What year was this? 1979? Yes, 1979, 1980. I wasn't really... Let's see. 79, I was only 8, so I wasn't really buying comics yet. Ah. And the last bit of news in this issue, Vince Coletta has stepped down from his position as art director. He will, <laughs> n- he will not be replaced. Thank <laughs> God. I'm, I'm torn. I'm so sad. And I got one hey, more guys, thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to freshen up my water, and Marta just came in. I'll be back in just a minute. Sorry. Okay. I got one more thing. You can edit that out. You can edit no, that. I'm not edit that out. This is from <laughs> the, the Comic Reader, number 172 from September 1979, with a fantastic Jim Apero Shazam cover, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I will be posting these covers on the forum. Here's this little bit of news. The Dazzler. Early word of the character mentioned the name Disco Dancer is a character being created by Marvel in conjunction with the record label that has had great success with Disco, Casablanca Records. The Dazzler is a woman with mutant light powers and plans now call for her own comic by Tom DeFalco, Dickie McKenzie, and John Romita Jr., as well as a real-life musical counterpart who will have recordings issued on Casablanca. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> Appearances are slated for X-Men and Marvel Team-Up. Oh, yeah, I don't remember a real-life Dazzler. Was there ever such I a thing? I don't even know. No, it, it never happened, actually. The uh, company went under. Because Casablanca's famous. Uh, that's Neil Bogart Company, right? Famous for what band? Lindsay Lohan. Oh, come on. <laughs> Casablanca. <laughs> uh, Kiss. Wasn't there it? you go. Yeah. And Parliament. I think Lindsay, but Lindsay Lohan is... Uh, on Casablanca. Right. They're still putting out records? I, I believe so. I think it may wow. be a different company. I don't know if Bogart has, you know, has anything to do with it. Or his, is he even alive still? I don't know. I think, I think yeah, Gene ate him or something. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my contribution to the fanzine flashback. I know David has one or two. I have I, I have a couple items, uh, especially uh, one or two that I would want Chris to hear, so I'm going to pad this out. Um, this is from Comics Journal, November 70. I know it's going to be hard for me to do. Yeah, just uh, do it the way you normally would. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, baby. Number 78 with a cover price of 250 This is from December 1982. Wow. Um, What's on the cover? The, oh, it is a pretty sweet-looking Gil Kane cover of a... Uh, of some fantasy-looking figure atop a white lion, uh, no, more like a tiger, and it's um, and it's 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 kind of sort of the <laughs> sort of the uh, oh, no one said liger, kind kind of sort of the anatomy, but not not quite, um, with a rubble building in in the background, pretty pretty cool, a lot of just straight up flat colors, but uh, but not bad at all because there's a um, a Gil Kane um, past and present reticulated rainbow column. So I guess that that, uh, that ties into it. But there's a uh, now this there's Gil Kane interv- was he someone special? Or did- <laughs> he 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 started at uh, the Eisner shop many many moons ago. But he also uh, went on to create a um, the the Silver Age Green Lantern, who he modeled after. He modeled Hal Jordan after uh, Paul Newman. And and the uh, the guardians after yeah the guardians after uh, the Israeli prime minister but he um 
He also did a few things like like the Ray Palmer Adam, most of the Silver Age stuff. Uh, he's worked on uh, oh Iron many Fist. many many things. Co-creator of Iron Fist. He's done. He did the drug issues of Amazing Spider-Man that were not code approved. Um, he did some fantastic covers while he was at Marvel. He did some great interiors while he was at Marvel. Did an issue, maybe two, of uh, Conan the Barbarian. Um, but I think mostly he'll be known for his, his DC work. I remember his covers for Action Comics or DC Comics Presents. And uh, and I just, anytime I see a Gil Kane cover, I'm going to grab the comic regardless whether he did the insides or not. I'm just a huge fan of, uh, of the man. But this, th- there are some items in here in the Newswatch section. Uh, they talk about Pacific Comics expanding. In 1983, there's going to be three books by Jack Kirby, two books by uh, by Bruce Jones. Uh, they there's a um, there's a, an item. The headline is "Hostility Builds Between Marvel and the Press," and uh, there's an an interview that goes into more detail in the following issue of the Comics Journal, which I'll, I'll probably put that in the uh, in the fanzine flashback thread. But um, apparently, Marvel leaked a hoax news item about an amazing Spider-Man issue that's going to, uh, that's going to take place, I guess, backwards or in reverse. And, uh, at Marvel, I guess they were laughing because some of the news print media decided to, uh, to run the story. And, uh, and it was a hoax, and, and I guess Marvel was just trying to see if anybody would actually do any research or call, call Marvel and see if this is actually legit. And, uh, overall it just seems kind of, childish to, for the most part and uh and it, it just kind of it didn't help that that at this point marvel was was getting ready to release marvel age so they'd have their own in-house news or propaganda magazine and uh and and which was things, great by the way I, I i loved marvel age but it, it was yeah. uh I mean, it was a quarter but uh but th- there's an interview where you know jim shooter if anybody has any questions for him, nobody does. So he steps down and it's mostly like Tom DeFalco is involved. Peter David talks for a bit. It also has to do with uh, someone actually asked the question or it's implied that when Gene Day was uh, taken off of um, Master, Master of Kung Fu. Kung Fu, that that was pretty much his literally like like he was dead. Like as soon as they took him off, that book is, is what some of these questions sound like. And, and Peter David, there's a quote in the middle of the column where basically Peter David just comes out and says that Jim Shooter did not kill Gene Day. And, you know, when it's little blurbs like that, you really want to read the rest of the interview just to see how that phrase even come about. But um, the DC News talks about um, Chuck Patton being the new artist of Justice League of America. Uh, Weird War Tales was going to be canceled with the 124th issue. Uh it made it that long. It made it that long. Wow. Uh, there's a uh, there's a blurb about Camelot three thousand. They talk about <laughs> um, he, he, which probably still wasn't finished by the time this was out. Uh, e- Eclipse and and uh, they found in in Will Eisner's vault John Law and and how they were going to run a, a, a magazine of just John Law work. Uh, how Miss Tree was just the only. Um, the was going mystery was eclipses lone remaining non Baxter paper printed comic and 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 how the price would be for that but what really what max really allen had, collins uh, right max allen collins and terry yep. Beatty and and the uh 
there was also an item about the introduction of uh, new small press publishers, one of which was Joshua Quagmire Enterprises, and they uh, they published a little comic called Army Surplus Comics, and that was where Cutie Bunny appeared. Oh, I love Cutie Bunny. I know. The two letters that I thought Bunnies were with really breasts. cool. How can, how can you go wrong? And nipples. God, don't forget the nipples. The, the nipples. Uh, there are just two letters in here that I really wanted to focus on. One is, uh, one is pretty much praise. One uh, isn't. There's one letter. Basically, there was a uh, there was an interview with Frank Miller in an earlier issue. It says regarding your interview with Frank Miller, when I created Bullseye and co-designed his costume with Johnny Romita, I knew I was creating a good villain. Frank showed how to make a good villain a great one. Anybody have any idea who co-created Bullseye? Uh, wow, that's a good question. Chris Claremont? No. Roy Thomas? No. Don't know. John, uh, Roger Stern? No. Well, be, it would be Stan because Stan oh, <laughs> created, created everything, everything good. Yeah. Uh, well, no. It, regardless Jesus. of who created him, Stan <laughs> I'm poking, did. I'm poking the bear. All right, Jesus. <laughs> it was. Hey, you uh, know what? Okay, I, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> I just wanted to. Just cl- no, I just wanted to clarify. I was not trying to even compare Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. I was. What are you, just, what are you talking about? I don't. What do you mean? Shut up, Vince. Don't. Don't make, <laughs> don't make me drive the fucking butt fuck. Pennsylvania, wherever you live. <laughs> no, so I wasn't. Easy. I wasn't trying to compare them. I was honestly, and and you were in no mood to to do it. But I was honestly trying to find out more about why you uh, have the, the the feelings of of uh, sort of hatred for Stan that you do. No, I wasn't trying to say that they weren't necessarily warranted. I was trying. To, I don't feel like I have the full. Full grasp on it, the full story. So I was, and, and it's it's really hard to get the full story because when, at the time, Jack took it upon himself to go to the media, and in back then we're talking print magazines. He was, I don't want to say senile, but he was making the most audacious claims. Yeah. Uh, the, you know that he created everything from the Hulk, Nick Fury, just the Avengers, every character, and Roz was backing him up on it. And I think Roz was egging him on. To, to do this. He went to the Comics Jeez. Journal and just took responsibility for all the characters. So it's kind of hard to tell. But I'll tell you, the reason why I have... I don't want to say hatred. I don't hate Stan. Stan is the man. We all know that. It's not... I don't hate. I'm incapable of hating. I I, I, I dislike the man... What? <laughs> I said, let me work on that a little. I, I could never hate you. I, I have a little bit of a sore spot for the dude because, in my opinion, when Jack Kirby retired, he should have been living like a king. He should have had more money than God. He should have been given the due he was deserved his entire career for everything that he co and I'm doing the air quotes co created. Jack should have been treated like royalty, and he wasn't. And you feel it's Stan's responsibility to to do that. Stan could have. Been Stan instrum- wasn't the stand-up guy that he could have. No, been. he could have been instrumental in getting Jack back his art, so Jack could have made a secondary income on selling his original art. Marvel held up giving Jack back his boards for years, mm-hmm. years and years. In fact, even when they were giving them back to other artists, Kirby never got any back until a certain period in time. At which point, it was too late. You know, so and I, and I certainly don't want to derail us into that conversation. I'm not trying to. Do right. That at all. I, I, like I said, I, I was simply trying to 
to, to find out more about it, and we can talk about that some other time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't yeah, hate. I don't hate Stan. He's the guy's lovable. I mean, uh, the, um, the only um, thing I will the, say about Stan that I really appreciate about what he's done, or at least what it, I I feel like he's done in comics, is and it and this sort of goes back to our whole debate on the forum about art was that I felt like he was able to take very powerful emotions and ideas and sort of boil them down uh, so that they were very easily understood by young people that were reading those comics. And I, okay. I think I think that was a gift on Stan's part <laughs> to some degree. And right. and uh, and so I that's one of the reasons I really appreciate him. But nonetheless. Okay. David. So the co-creator or the creator of Bullseye is none other than Marv Wolfman. Oh, good. Really? Yes. Now, as far as someone get taking is that, credit... Is that guy like a million years old now? Pretty much. <laughs> Maybe not he quite, is, but he I mean, is. He's, yeah. he's look, he, he looked old when he was doing him? New Teen Titans. Yeah, you're right. Uh, as far as... Now, now, here's one that's not very complimentary. Um, this is from Mr. Dave Cockrum, living in oh. Comac, New York at the time. Uh, the the letter is called Credit for Kitty's Fairy Tale. It says uh, Jan Stranded's Sneaky Devil Award to Chris Claremont for Kitty's Fairy Tale from Journal Number Seventy One is the last ironic straw. Everyone is so pleased and surprised that Chris was able to create such a change of pace issue of the X Men. Kitty's fairy tale would not have happened if I had not proposed to do a fairy tale. This story hook of Kitty telling Ileana a bedtime story was mine. Ditto the Crimson Pirate meets the Thief of Baghdad format. Ditto Lockheed the Dragon. Ditto the Banff. Ditto the Tasmanian Devil incarnation of Wolverine. Chris wanted me to draw him like... Chris wanted me to draw him as Clint Eastwood. Uh, the last paragraph is, Chris's main interest was to turn it into yet another retelling of the Phoenix story. Oh, man. That's an, see, that's another thing. Uh, Dave Cockrum, towards the end of his life, the guy, should have, been, the guy should have been living like a king. And yeah. here he was in, according to Sal, Bumfuck, Pennsylvania, at a comic book convention, selling his samples that he got from Aurora, that he did the box art for the Aurora models, a lot of yeah. the box art. He was selling them just to make do. And that's well, and he, he wasn't he wasn't selling at a table. He was walking the floor. He was walking the floor with a, with, a, with a paper uh shopping bag filled with, with Mego dolls and uh Aurora models, selling them to any dealer that would that would buy them. It Wait, was ridiculous. But oh jeez. But, but is that Stan was that Stan's doing? I mean I don't I'm not no, saying at this it point, wasn't. No, no, no. No, not, no, I'm not saying no, not, not it doesn't not. all go back to Stan. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's general, dozens and dozens and dozens of those kind of guys. That I mean, at right, this point, was, we could maybe say Jim Shooter or somebody. I mean, it's, Right, it, but I yeah. was just saying that, you know, you hear those things, Dave Cockrum saying that he was instrumental in creating these things, and we we never, I mean, unless you've read every issue of every fan magazine, you would never know these things because the companies aren't very forthcoming with giving credit. And it's and Be, it, Because when you create the, for these guys, the it's industry. all theirs. It's the yeah. industry, and, it, and it's not just the comics industry. It's any... Industry, right, yes. especially entertainment. Look at the look at the old school veteran football players who are you know have trouble even getting out of bed because their bodies have mm-hmm. basically um, turned on them. And and those mm-hmm. guys didn't make a lot of money back in you know whenever they were playing. It's it, it's 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 baseball. It's 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 movies. It's it's any any of those industries. And uh, you know uh, I'll just wrap it up by saying hey 
you know, if you have a couple spare bucks laying around, okay. give some money to Hero. That's because it. there are guys out there that need good it. Good call. Good call. Mm-hmm. The way to do it. Good Those were really good, David. I mean, the last one wasn't good in a no, in but a it's it's enlightening. I mean, that's that's way. the whole that's the whole. I mean, that's why I I get a huge kick out of Comics Journal, Amazing Heroes, you know, things like that because it's right. it's yeah, the information's twenty five years old at least, but it's it's like you know you you look at it's like going back and reading Men of Tomorrow. It's it's like you know yeah, you might know. That Siegel and Schuster finally got credit for creating Superman, but not everybody might know that Neil Adams played a part in that, and right. and or you right, might not right. know, you know, just who screwed over uh, Siegel and Schuster initially when when they were with National, or or even even the whole, you know, Bill Finger and Bob Kane creating the the, the, the mythos of Batman, and it, you know, I mean, Bob Bob Kane gets all the credit, but those that know know that he wasn't the sole reason for it it being right you got to perpetuate the history because if you don't it gets forgotten that's you know there i love seeing the um uh the little tributes to a lot of these guys that pop up in in comics today and uh can i can i throw one out there that that i noticed this week can i I jump into one here sure Mm -hmm. have you guys read the captain america comics that james robinson and marcos martin did that came out this week it, uh, I I won't um, I won't spoil too much with it. Uh, first of all, it looked absolutely gorgeous, and, and I wish James Robinson and Marcos Martin could do every comic because it was it looked that great. And it's every every kind. No, just come out with an entire line of comics set in the 40s and 50s would be awesome. But uh, uh, there is a part in the story where a character has to take an important package to Mr. Simon in the Timely Building. Which I awesome. Yeah, which, you know, it's it was, you know, Joe Simon obviously was one of the, the co-creator of, uh, of Captain America for Timely Comics. And so it was just one of those little nods there that's like, oh, okay, it's James Robinson uh, giving, giving a nice nod to Joe Simon, which I thought was cool. So Very neat. How was that issue overall? Fantastic. And once again, I don't want to give too much of it away, but there was a, a part in it where I was like, oh, they're just going to do the origin story again. And, and it, it ended up not being that at all. It, it, it added a, a really nice twist to the... Um, to the Captain America mythos that, you know, I hope it stays canon because it, it added another a nice little layer to, uh, to the character Steve Rogers. And once again, it, it looked absolutely gorgeous. And Marcos Martin just has such a great, uh, a great uh, feel for, for, like golden age and and not even golden age just just 1940s. He, you know, very few artists out there can draw a guy in a suit you know, and a hat and make it look right. And, <laughs> and you know what I mean? And, and Marcos Martin is one of those guys that it's like the clothes just lay on them. Right. He, he knows how to draw a man in a hat and, and mm-hmm. make it look, look that way. Um, uh, who do you, who do you see when you look at a Marcos Martin page or Martin? Marcos Martin. What, what, um, what, what does his, what artist does his style remind you of? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm terrible at this game. Um, Ditko. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. It was raised, Mr. Cat. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Especially with the stuff that he was doing in um uh in Amazing here. Uh you know, it's he's a little bit more polished than Ditko, but I think that's just a sign of the times. Um 
it's kind of Ditko meets uh, Darwin Cook. There's mm-hmm. just uh, uh, a cleaner, a cleaner line there. But yeah, it's um, yeah, he's awesome. I love Martin and him working with James Robinson. That's what I uh, what I read on uh, on my vacation. I got through the Starman Omnibus Volume Two, and James Robinson just loves writing about old stuff, and he makes it a <laughs> lot of fun. So, out of the twenty books you brought in that suitcase, you read one. No, no, no. But that's the one that that's the one that I will um, look back on and say, "Yep, I read that in in Mexico." And, okay. Uh, right. It uh, it's the one that that I enjoyed reading the most uh, over the over vacation. So. Hey, Vince, David, Chris, Wood, Dallin Baumgarten here. Dallin on the forums. First time caller, long time listener. I've been so busy, I haven't been on the forum in ages, and truth be told, I'm still an episode or two behind, but you guys continue to entertain like no other show out there, so thank you, thank you, thank you, and huge congratulations on 50 really big shows. Now, one of the reasons why I've been so busy lately, in addition to work, is that I was on my honeymoon. I got married in Hawaii on Valentine's Day to a lovely, lovely woman who would never dream of infringing upon my comic book buying habits, by the way. Well, legally, she's not allowed to. It's, it's in the prenup. So I thought it would be fun to share with you my reading list for my honeymoon. Sort of a top three stranded on the desert island trade paperback list. Except it wasn't really a deserted island. Honolulu is well populated. And I wasn't stranded there at any time. We had our flights booked well in advance. Oh, and there's more than three. There's actually eight. And it's not a hypothetical list per se. These are the trades that I actually brought with me and read on my honeymoon. Here we go. Oh, and they're not exactly all trade paperbacks. And we're off in no particular order. Firstly, from DC, Secret of the Swamp Thing by Lynn Lean and Bertie Wrightson. This is a 2005 digest-sized trade collecting the first 10 issues of Swamp Thing. Uh, Lean and Wrightson. There's no going wrong here. Nextly, Planet of the Apes, number one, the awesome 1974 Marvel magazine featuring the talents of Doug Munch, Mike Plug, many others. Love these old Marvel magazines, as I know you do, Vince. The 70s were so freaking groovy. Thirdly, released just this year, Archie Digest, number 251, in which Archie and Jughead get to experience Riverdale 100 years in the future when they are accidentally transported via Dilton's uncle's time machine. Or are they? Mm. Number four, issues one and two of Pixu, P-I-X-U, Pixu, uh, from July and September of 08, respectively. Uh, Pixu is a self-published limited edition a uh, very creepy Japanese-style horror story created by Becky Cloonan, uh, Fabio Moon, Gabriel Ba, and Vasilis Loyos, I believe is how it's pronounced. Uh, the format size is smaller than standard comics, but larger than a digest. I think there were only a 1,000 copies printed of each, uh, but worth hunting down if you're a fan of any of those artists. Uh, this book is black and white and proud of it. Okay, fifthly, uh, American Freak Show, The Terrible Tale of Sloth Boy, a very cool and disturbing 
original graphic novel, novel from IDW. Written by Steve Niles, art by Chi. One word name, Chi. I think his last name is actually Apet. Get it? Chi Apet. <laughs> uh, it tells a tale of a despicable, murdering circus freak. It deserves no sympathy whatsoever, and I mean that. None. Don't you dare sympathize with Sloth Boy. Uh, numero 60, the Kama Sutra, an ancient Indian text, widely considered to be the... Wait. Wrong honeymoon list. Sorry. Uh, number 6, from 1985, Marvel graphic novel number 18, The Sensational She-Hulk, by John Byrne, Kim DeMolder, and Petrus Gotis. This was fun, fun, fun. I'm a sucker for any story that includes Wyatt Wingfoot. Plus, it contains a slightly controversial panel featuring Shulky's nipples that DeMolder actually claims to have inked in and slipped past Byrne during crunch time. Don't believe me? Just Google She-Hulk Burn nipple for the whole story. Oops. I forgot Vince likes that sort of thing. John Byrne, Vince. There's nothing to do with She-Hulk actually burning her own nipples. You sicko. Number seven, this next one comes directly from multiple recommendations on none other than around comics, I believe. And I was not disappointed. Um, the OGN Joker by Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. I'm continuing the recommendation, love. Check it out. Very, very cool. Okay, last one, and I did save the best for last. From the Mind and Hands of Jack Kirby, Commandy Archives Volume 1 from D.C., reprinting the first ten issues of perhaps the greatest comic book ever created. Yeah, I said it. Something about reading Commandy on an island just felt so right to me. You really should try it sometime. So there you have it. Dallin's honeymoon reading list. I made it through everything except Swamp Thing, which I only got about halfway through. And I still managed to marry a wonderful woman, drink about 500 Mai Tais, Go snorkeling, parasailing, do a whole bunch of other fun stuff. <laughs> it is a honeymoon. Not too shabby. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed hearing Dallin's honeymoon reading list. Uh, congrats again on show number 50. Here's to 50 more. Keep it up, guys. Respect. Just something that popped in my head. Um, see what you guys think about it, but... It's kind of interesting now that the only stories we get about Steve Rogers are, are ones from his past, obviously, because he's dead, at least for now. But I was, it was listening to something, I don't know, the other day, where people were, uh, oh, it was, it was Adam Carolla's show, and he was talking about how, you know, uh, stars that die young, you know, that are become legendary, like James Dean, you know, he did, what, four films, five films, <laughs> died very young, and, and if, you know, if he would have went on to, you know, you like make a bad TV show and you know, if he'd lived till he was 60 and was still making work and at some point his career was sort of on the downward spiral and he wouldn't necessarily be remembered as he is. And I was thinking, you know, what if other, like, you know, what if the JSA had all you know, like died in 1948 and the only stories we get of the JSA were set in 1948 instead of like going through maybe, you know, decades of, of stuff that trying to put characters like that in, uh, more contemporary stories. I don't know. Just something that popped into my head. I, I don't know if it makes any sense at all, but uh, I wonder if maybe sometimes those characters would be more relevant if their stories were told in a time when they were relevant. Yeah. Are, are there are there any characters that that 
did you know it's like you look at like the 12 um and and you know some other stuff that's that's come at some stuff that john's has done with jsa but are there any like big time characters that really didn't make it out of well, i guess like uh more from the pulps i guess like the shadow or uh or like doc savage that kind of stuff it's um yeah you don't see that yeah i mean yeah. i guess you haven't really seen that much of that kind of thing but yeah, I wonder if you had characters in comics that were, their stories were only told in in you know past tense, uh, as opposed to you know bringing them through the times. I don't know. Like I said, it oh, was just something oh, about- oh, I see what you're saying. More keeping the, keeping them in in the in the forties. Yeah. Did they do that with the Phantom? Has the Phantom been updated to modern times? I thought he was. Because I thought yeah, this was, because I don't think this is the same Phantom. Isn't this a just a generational thing? Hasn't there been a few? Fa- I mean, a, a, I believe there's been more than yeah. There's been more than one. Certainly, it does get passed down. Okay. Yeah. Well, how but, about you know, um, well, Sandman there, Mystery Theater? Uh, you read. There you go. Mind read. Mind. Yeah, yeah that's a, I think that's a good example. I think you know that character lives on pretty strongly in that book, and. But, I mean, it's a little different because you still have the Sandmans of today, the different Sandman uh, characters that are around today. But, I mean, what if, like, you know, what if, you know, like, Barry Allen is back, right? Everybody's talking about Barry Allen being back. And, you know, I'm sure Johns will do a great job with Barry Allen coming back. But, uh, or you know, what if what if the only Jay Garrick stories we got were past tense Jay Garrick stories? Or what if the only, you know, I don't know, uh just older characters that have been brought, you know, I mean, because it's like a problem. It's like trying to, to keep a legacy with a character that's been around for 40 years and started, you know, it's like Luke Cage. Luke, Luke Cage with an afro and a, you know, a yellow shirt and a, and a chain belt. Don't forget and, the tiara. And the tiara, you know, bringing him, I mean, he's worked as far as bringing him up to date, but I think sometimes it's it's a problem for characters that they keep, you know, that have been around for so long, It it, it you know trying to make them relevant, what if they had just like sort of died early and the only right. stories you got were... Oh, they, well, they kind of tried that. I mean, especially with the JSA. I mean, Roy Thomas wrote his last... I mean, it, it wasn't a great tale. It was kind of sad because it was a never-ending battle at, at, at Ragnarok. But they they did, they did have... JSA had their last story only right. to... You know, and that was fine in the 80s where if you didn't think they were going to need another Justice Society of America. But... but they did, or they decided to bring him back, or they realized, you know, there's money there. So they kind of can't, only because they they blow their wad too soon. Yeah. Well, for many years, the Invaders stories were all period pieces. Yeah. yeah. And then you know, when you have Captain America on the team, and a solo title for Captain America, it's kind of hard, you know, to just pick which version of Captain America works. They both work. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's a tough call. That's a good question. I can't think of too many others, really. Um, oh, the Sandman one's a good one. Uh, for a while, uh, Sergeant Fury, before he became... Yeah. yeah. What oh, about I, uh, 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 Rock, Rock? Sergeant Rock, Rock. yeah. That's that's yeah. a character mm-hmm. that has stayed in, in World War II this whole time. Yeah. Well, that was Bob Kaniger's, uh claim, that even though the story wasn't written, Rock and Easy Company never made it out of World War II. Right. Well, that's what I mean, though. What if, what if you had not? What if you tried to bring Sergeant Rock, like for the last forty years? What if he just kept going through time and he was in like Vietnam and then, you know, in Korea, Vietnam, and 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 now he's in Afghanistan? I don't know if it would have the same. No, or if, or if he somehow turned up in Superman, say during the Our uh, Worlds at War storyline, right? <laughs> you know, 
And uh, he did turn up and in were, DC Comics in Presents too. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah it's and hey, Commandy turned up in DC Comics Presents. That, well, that's true. Yeah. You know how do you how do you work around that? But if there's a well, way super- and, and there's a deadline to be met, they'll find a way. <laughs> you know? I'd love to see more losers. The World War Two era losers. What's up? I was. Yeah. Uh, I think Sal, you had you had said that, that was one of your favorite parts of um, uh, the Darwin Cook uh, New Frontier was the yeah. sort of story there. What's, uh, yeah, that was probably my, that first story. It was probably my my favorite uh, out of that book. Uh, what about the uh, about the shadow shaken shadow and then the Kyle Baker drawn series was that present day? Oh, the um no, it geez, was that's... it was it was forward in time a bit. The shaken one was. Not present day, but it was it was probably well. I'm trying to think. When did that come out? Eighties, eighties, seven. So yeah, it probably it was eighty seven because it was he was living in, in what's the Nandu or whatever the hell. Okay, <laughs> Nandu Parada. Yeah, yeah. He was living there for all this time, and he had stayed uh, young. He was basically immortal, and then he came back with his two sons in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So that was trying to bring him. But what if okay. you just kept writing like shadow stories? In you know, in whenever well, he he went over a few decades, but yeah, because they had that that cybernetic shadow towards the end of <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah let's the talk about um, Zorro. Isn't Matt Wagner's Zorro still set in the? Yeah, yes. that's that's a that's a good example. Yeah, mm-hmm. Zorro's a character that's never really been up tried to be updated. I think. Uh, the, the, uh, yeah, I don't think that would work. I mean, yeah, just, I was just, just going to say, how, how would it work? He he would almost be a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, it's true. No, really. Well, he, he could be battling drug cartels in Mexico now. That's true. Yeah. Oh, that's just all. That's just dynamite doing a lot of that. Hope. All the drug cartel. That's all just trumped up by the media. <laughs> 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 Trying to protect your uh... your new friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chris Neesman. <laughs> All right, it's uh, so- you know the 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 uh, Sandman stuff that was uh, in the. Uh, have, have any of you guys read the uh, the Starman Omnibus Volume Two yet? No, not yet. I have not. It's a uh, uh, one of the real nice. Um, a, a lot. There's a great story in there uh, where where Jack, the new Starman, meets Wesley uh, 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 Wesley Dodd, and um, there's uh, about a ten page section in there that is a flashback story to uh to the golden age sandman and and a story with uh with jack's dad ted the original starman and it's drawn by guy davis which was a really Uh, really neat thing to do in the middle of the of the book so holy crap we forgot about the spirit oh yeah there you go go. that's a great well until frank miller got his hands on him yeah i've never that that never happened yeah (laughs) That never happened. <laughs> no, but the Dar- well, you, well, the Darwin Cook was present day. Was, was it? it? Yes, because oh. you had cell phones and yeah. and, and computers oh, and yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. yeah that but it. it was still retro. It was still. You oh know no, it I mean? fit. Like, it yeah, no, I mean it. It, it made sense. Yeah, but it, yeah, it yeah. felt old. But it was kind of like the uh, what was the the Kryptonite story that he did with Tim Sale in uh, Superman Confidential that yeah. uh, it felt old. Even the dress was old, but uh, you know Jimmy had an iPod, that kind of stuff. Right, yeah. right. Anyway, right. So what do we have? More comics? Who's reading what? Well, I don't I don't want to Bogart, so I'll go later, but I, I, I did read something. I wasn't sure if anybody else read anything, and I have a couple of questions about it, so I'll I'll wait till later. I know Wood dug into an anthology over the, the uh, break. Yeah, right, Wood? yeah. You're right about that. Um, 
had the Wild Pig sale, the much-talked-about, much-hyped Wild Pig sale this past weekend. It was badass as usual. Came away with 20 trades. Nice. <laughs> nice haul. Uh, actually picked up a couple of the uh, AC books owed a month, including uh, uh, the, the latest one, uh, Luther Arkwright, which I just started yesterday. So it is a dense book. I don't know if yeah, you guys... It is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you got to really be in the mood to read that. That's not, that's not light reading, but... Um, but yeah, so it was a great sale, and one of the things I picked up um, was the Pop Gun Anthology. Oh, oh nice. Uh, I have long been a fan of Image Comics, or rave about them as much as, as, as I can on the show, um, and saw it sitting there, had remembered it vaguely, but but had never really given it a lot of thought, um, picked it up. It's a big honking trade. It's It's got to be, what, four or five hundred pages, and it's really thick, um, and started... Just thumbing through it, and it just uh, it, it looked gorgeous. So I picked it up, half off, and uh, started reading it this week, and, and read it probably in two days of commuting, cover to cover, and it was uh, it was fantastic. For for those that don't know, it is a um, it's an anthology that's put together by uh, uh, what's his, uh, his name is escaping me now. Ivan uh, Brandon. No, he did twenty four. Uh, yeah, NYC I'm, Mac. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it's twenty four seven. Yes. What's his name? Uh, oh, Mark Andrew Smith. Uh, it was his idea, and uh, and his co-editor is. Um, you think I'd be prepared for this segment? <laughs> yeah. Why stop? I mean, why yeah, change right now? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Andrew Smith and Joe Keating. I'm just. Uh, I'm. I'm uh, it's just okay. Sorry. So those guys decided to put together an anthology of friends of theirs, indie creators, and the like, and uh, and kind of. Tr- characterize it as a mixtape, almost like a musical mixtape, in that every story is varying lengths, varying artistic styles, varying subjects, really runs the gamut from horror to sci-fi to just, you know, humor to love stories to um, you know, pulp and uh, it, it's it's just terrific. It's one of those books where I can't imagine there isn't something in the book that would please just about anybody. Um, is this the first volume you got? Cause they're on, like, yeah, I got the first yeah, volume. Right? Okay, yeah, yeah, I read the first two. I just wanted yeah, to... Yeah, so I, I thought it was terrific, and... and uh, uh, Mike I mean, Allred, right? Yeah, yeah. Mike Allred... That's why he's all flustered. <laughs> <laughs> right, the first appearance of Madman is in this book, which was not original to the anthology. Most of the anthology was new material, but they did put a few select reprints in there, and that's one of them. Um, but the the list of creators is... Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's long and distinguished, but guys like Eric Larson, John Hickman, uh, Linzer's in there, Jim Mafood friend of the show Chris Moreno's in there, uh, Rick Remender, our, our, our boys in there, Tim Seeley, um, Richard Starkings is in there, Allred's in there, a bunch of other people, but uh, it's just terrific. I mean, like I said, it's it's it's. I, I really recommend it to anybody, especially, you know, a lot of people, we talk on the forums, guys say, you know, I'd love to try more indie stuff, but I don't know where to start. Start <laughs> with an anthology like this, because... Um, like I said, it, it's these are short, digestible stories. They range from a page to maybe I don't know eight, ten pages for the big, for the longest ones. And you know, you, you take a look at something like this and see what hits you, and it, it may you know open your horizons to a new genre of comics that are kind of they're waiting for you. And most of the guys that are in these books have have done you know lengthier, more extensive work that you can go out and seek if you're not familiar with it already. So um, I was really pleased. A book that size, you're bound to find some at least a couple of things in here that you like. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. In in keeping with the mixtape theme of that anthology, if if that 
was in fact a mixtape it would be a greatest hits because unlike the risk you run with most anthologies all of that work is superlative i don't think there's a stinker in the whole book and that that's really odd for an anthology where usually you'll have you know one or two pieces that don't match in quality with the rest of the stuff but if i had to go through that book and pick out one story that i felt was lacking i couldn't do it yeah. it's all just really good work was the hickman story at least a complete story Oh, um, zing. <laughs> zing. Uh, no, you know what? Actually, Hickman, um, you can tell it's Hickman, and I don't think he's credited in, if he is, I didn't notice, you can tell it's Hickman because of the graphic design of it, mm-hmm. but I don't, I remember it visually, but I don't remember the story as being very meaningful. It was very short. It was maybe three pages. So I think you really get a sense of Hickman's graphic style that, that, you know, was popularized in nightly news, but mm-hmm. I, I get a sense for him as a storyteller from that from that particular little vignette. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that's it. It shows off his artist cho- artistic chops, but not yeah. necessarily his storytelling chops. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, pieces in there where the look is as important, if not more, than the actual story. Yeah. They're just just working out little graphic exercises, and it's just it's it's a delight. Just page after page is just beautiful. The first art. story out of all of them, I think the first story hit hit home the the most. Um, I don't know the name of the the story offhand, but it's the one where it's a they look almost like little little bunnies. Like yeah, like little bunnies, like little Japanese. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sad. And it starts off really cute, and then something happens, and and that last panel just broke my heart. I mean, as a there's no dialogue a, in that, right? There's right, no right, right, and and just as a you know, as a father of young kids, I mean, that last panel just crushed yeah. me. I just and, like, and I think that story semi autobiographical. That the the artist I forget who did it mm-hmm. uh, was actually working out some demons with that story. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, it was uh, God. I mean that, that, but and there are many stories like that that are just the great thing about. And I don't, I don't have a lot of experience with anthologies, so I, I don't know if others are like this as well. But what struck me the most about this was that it really was a labor of love. I mean, these the, the creators in this book range from highly established to guys that you may n- never hear from again. If you know, but but at the same point in time, I got the sense that whether it was a one-page story or a ten-page story, it was really a passion project for each of these guys. Uh, and, and it really comes through. Um, so I definitely recommend it. It's, 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 if you've never tried an anthology, it's a great one to start at. Cause like Vince said, there really isn't a weak sister in the bunch. Um, right. I would imagine, you know, that being said, I mean, it, since it covers so many different genres and styles and artistic sensibilities, I mean, I, you're, I, I doubt you're going to love every story, I, but I think that, that if you like 75% of a 450 page book, then you more than got your money's worth. Well, and, I, don't, I don't think you're ever supposed to enjoy or right. love every part of an anthology. You're supposed to hopefully love something new and uh, you know, and find find some names of some people to uh, to be on the lookout for. I mean, that's that's how I always look at anthologies. Yep. Andy Coons well, in there, right? He's a I think he's he's a Windy City attendee, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Coons. The thing I liked about it so much was that it was so all over the place that there. A lot of times with with anthologies, I get bored because they're a themed anthology, and it's like, mm. you know, they kind of run out of like new interesting ways to sort of say the same thing. But with this, it is like there's no there's no particular rhyme or reason between any of the stories or the art styles or any you know there's no thread necessarily that link them together. So it is sort of just you know new story after new story, right. and it was 
I mean, you said you know it, it's worth the money. I mean, it was ch- it's a cheap trade too. I think if I remember, is it like fourteen ninety five or sixteen ninety nine? No, it's twenty nine bucks. That's, it is. Yeah. Was it that much? Oh yeah. God, I thought it was cheaper than that. I thought for yeah. some reason I thought it was really cheap. But oh, but it's well worth it. It well is worth it. I mean, I think the only thing the only thing these things have in common are that it's Mark Andrew Smith's friends and people he appreciates. I mean, that's yeah. That's, right. Well, the, the the concept behind it, the graphic mixtape, that's that's perfect. When I, I've never made one, but uh, when people make mixtapes, they don't put the same the same style I, of music. You totally, the whole. you've totally made mixtapes. I can't. I, I, no, I, I don't believe that. For who? Never <laughs> made it. Who the hell would I make a mixtape for? Um, but just say, 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 like your iPod. You just load this thing with all different kinds of music. That's what the pop gun is. It's different styles, different genres, all blended together in this wonderful package. And it's, uh, I, I thought it was fabulous. It just blew my mind. And I think Image is probably, aside from Dark Horse, Image is probably the only company that could pull that off. Uh, Top Shelf could do it. Yeah, it'd have a different yeah, slant. To it would it, definitely think. would. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think the awesome anthology, right, by by our right. buddy Mr. Phil and Charlito. It's uh, that's I would compare this to that in a sense, and it is quite different sensibility, but equally, I mean, it's a, talk about the, that's also a very diverse anthology that that is not. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's why I mentioned because I you know I thought the first one was great, and the second one's coming out soon, and um, so I, I give them some credit too. I'm not that familiar with the Dark Horse anthology stuff, although I know. It holds a special place near your guys' hearts, but I haven't read much of it. Oh. So. It's just so oh. much good stuff came out of it and continues to come out of it. Tell you what, yeah. the, the the online version of the Dark Horse Presents is really, really good. And I see yeah. that they are they are starting to collect some of that stuff in trade now, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, the, I think the third one was solicited, if if not the fourth volume. So yeah, well, they're 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 pushing them out. I got some. Well, I was going to say during that uh, Woods talk about that book where you said, "Well, there's no one can like everything." I get criticized a lot in reviews that well, we get and and on you, the forum that I love everything. What is that about? <laughs> do do I honestly love everything? I mean, the the thing is, and this is this is what it hasn't been bothering me, but I've been thinking about it. Why would I come on a podcast and talk about stuff I don't like? Exactly. Why would, I, why would I waste my time and yours and everybody listening just ragging on something that I thought was substandard, I, which I don't usually find things substandard. I, I love all art. And, and I read the iTunes reviews and it's like, yeah, Vince loves everything. And it's, we're, we're so glad that Chris is here to balance him out. You know? Jesus, are you kidding me? Vince, Vince, we, we, we suffer from the same disease, and that is, that is the disease of hyperbole. And uh, yeah. it, it's just... You, I think show, it shows more for you here than it does for me. I'm just as guilty of it on AC. I think sometimes it's just a matter of uh, contrast with people. They want to hear. It's hard to judge maybe if you're listening to someone. It's hard to judge maybe they're what their opinion, a baseline of their opinion is. If all you hear is 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 the good things and never mm-hmm. a bad. So, it, you know what I mean? It's like it's never, it's hard to maybe make that baseline as a listener. Yeah. I mean, we've heard that in the past too uh, because generally we don't talk about things we don't like. I mean, we'll make fun of stuff and sort of throw out one line, you know, shots at stuff, but, we, you know, we don't really t- go into detail about stuff we don't like or, or rag on stuff or anything like that. But I think it's, I think for whatever reason people want to hear a contrast in in your own personal opinions on stuff because mm. if you don't find any I mean and you know this obviously gets off into a whole other discussion but you know if nothing is considered bad which you've said that's how you feel then it's hard to 
necessarily judge one thing next to the other if you're listening to that. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I've thought about that a lot. Um, and, you know, Raging Bullets, I, you know, I think Sean and, and Jim get criticized a lot. And they talk about this on the show a lot that I think the, mo- the critique they get a lot is that they love everything, you know, from everything DC, they have nothing bad to say. And, and uh, you know, they often say that, that it's genuine, you know, like they're not going to bash something. If, if they genuinely don't like it, they're not going to bash it because people want to hear them bash it. Um, but I think, and they've often expressed some frustration in the fact that seemingly people complain like, oh, well, they just love everything, um, even though they contend it's true. And, and I've said to them when we've, you know, hung out at, at the cons or whatever, and I said, well, just what, I alluded to just what you were getting at, Sal, which is I think that the reason that listeners have a problem with that is that they want human nature would suggest that if you read as many comics as most of us do or, or watch as many movies, whatever your thing is, whatever, that you can't love everything, right? Because theoretically, I mean, if you watch enough of it, there's going to be stuff that doesn't, that doesn't float your boat. And so I think people just want to know that you're capable of disliking something so that they can somehow uh, attribute more weight to the things that you do like because they want to... You know, people it's, want it's to. Sort of, yeah, they want to praise something so that they can run out and get it too, and say, "Well, I really like that, and Vince liked it, so if he liked that too, I'm going to go try it, right?" Like, and and so if they don't know, but if they fear that you like everything, well, then they wonder if it's if you're discerning enough for them to to put their hard-earned dollars on something new. So I, I just think it's kind of they want to know that you're capable of having a spectrum of viewpoints. But I do find it funny that people say that about Vince because I, I don't. I, I think you are appreciative of almost all forms of 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 art, of our illustration. I think it's very hard for you to be critical of that, but you're certainly willing to express dislike for, uh, for books right. and projects. I mean, well, dislike. Know. Yes. I'll, I'll go dislike in, in as far as Greg Land's work, I don't understand it and I don't particularly like it, but there's even in his work, there's an inherent beauty to the act of creation. Mm-hmm. I, I can't call his work bad because it is, it is, like I said, it's the act of, of making something out of nothing, and and that's a beautiful thing. So it's it's not what I like, it's not what I enjoy, but I wouldn't call him bad. I would. His booth. <laughs> well, his booth <laughs> and, I'm just kidding. No, but I, I think it, like I said, I think it's it, it's like uh, everyone is Jesus in purgatory. I don't know if you've ever heard that sort uh, of statement. If I did, I forgot about it. <laughs> well, it's, 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 if everything is fantastic, then nothing is fantastic. If everything is special, then nothing is special. And I think that's what, you know, like what was, Wood was saying is that if, if everything is at the same level of fan, you know, a fantastic, then it's all mediocre because nothing stands above anything else. There's no, you know, there's no contrast there to sit there and go, well, this is better than that. See, I, I don't understand yeah. that because I, I don't, I cannot grasp the idea that something would be now obviously when you're comparing something like Watchmen and Supreme Power it gets pretty obvious which one of those is the more enjoyable work but but to say this act of creation is better than this piece of creation that's why does it have to be better they're both acts of creation they're both someone well, making I mean you you Kirby and Morrison we jo- I mean you clearly think they I are do. better creators than many others. Yes, because so. I'm they 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 speak to me. Or right. at least well, that's I, what we're I think that they do. When people listen to a show like this or they read a review in Rolling Stone or online, they want to if you're reading the review, you know, I'm sure there's still a lot of people out there these days that read a review about a restaurant or a movie and say to to determine in their own minds whether it's worth them going to see the movie or eat at the restaurant. Well, right. presumably there's only value in doing that if you actually have some 
baseline for thinking that the person's the reviewer's opinion is worth something. So if you read a New York Times movie reviewer and every time he hates a movie you love it, well you're pretty soon going to say to yourself, I'm not going to listen to this guy anymore. On the flip side, if every time he says this movie sucks and you, you go to see a few and they suck, you start saying to yourself, this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm not going to see movies. Have, have you ever been swayed by a review? A negative review? Have uh, you ever uh, been pushed a certain way based on something someone has said? Hmm. Well, it comes down to whether or not you trust the reviewer or whether right. or not yeah, you I would have with to their say opinions. I, well, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I would say it depends. I mean, I, I certainly think over time there have been things I may have been on the fence about either seeing or, you know, probably more like a restaurant in New York where I'd be like, I don't know, you know, is it worth going there versus somewhere else? And then, yeah, I, I would so yes, I would say yes. Like if, if I if I see a write-up on a, on a restaurant in New York that, that really shits on it and it's, you know, certain reviewers <laughs> that I, I'm familiar with, if uh, that would be enough for me to kind of avoid going to that restaurant because there's so many to try. Yeah. I mean, here I think the problem, Vince, is that you don't consider yourself a critic. Uh, you no, are I don't. you are you are just talking about books that you enjoy and work that you enjoy from a completely subjective right. idea of what you enjoy, and this is how it made made me feel. The problem is, is you are a critic. You just maybe don't realize it. Um, you speak to or don't to, want to realize it. Or yeah. don't want yeah. to be. You don't want to be. But regardless, there are people that trust your opinion or want to hear your opinion on comic books, oh, and. Well, no, it's not. I mean, it, you're a, you're an intelligent, well-informed person, and and so that your opinion is more valued than other people's, and that's that's where you know enlightened discussion comes into right. the equation, and and how you know people form their opinions on 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 that discussion. And um, I can honestly say I've never been swayed by a review, never. Well, that's because you're hard-headed and. and you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll take I'll Italian. take into consideration. Yeah, that, I mean, Jesus. Sicilian. That's even yeah. worse. <laughs> you know, I'll take into consideration. David said this book sucks. Don't bother picking it up. But I have to see for myself. Absolutely. Well, absolutely, absolutely. You should have see it for yourself. It's not a matter of being swayed. It's not a matter of being convinced that something is good or bad. It's a matter of of the discussion and maybe learning and evolving and and I mean, to me, that's what you know, like talking about things like comics or art or music or whatever, that's the whole point of talking about it is trying to learn from someone else. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. I have my opinions, but my opinions can certainly be changed, and I want to learn, I want to evolve, I want to grow. And I do that by talking to people whose opinions I appreciate, and hopefully they enlighten me to things that I maybe didn't think about. I mean, that itself is artistic. Is you know, right. You're right. As opposed to going, well... I don't want to listen to anyone's opinion because my opinion is not going to change. That's just closed-mindedness and and not you know. Oh, there's a lot of those out there. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, how many how many comics have I discovered in the last few years? Most of which I've adored, some not as much, but that I would never have tried were it not for getting to know you guys and other people in the all of them. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just. <laughs> but no, it's but I mean, kind of like. Kind of like Army at Love, how you raved about that book because we we asked you to read it and you did. No, no, that's actually quite different. I read Army at Love on my own volition and, uh, and detested it. Uh, but can I rave said, about something? It's a, it's not a bad example though because um, the new gentleman Arturo McNutt or whatever the hell his name is came on the thir- forums and was raving about him today. And I must admit that I have not read a lot of Rick Feech's stuff. It's the few things I have read, I have not cared for. But the things that he was raving about today is his favorite work that I'm not familiar with. So You've got to read Brad Pack. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, uh, of all the stuff I've read of 
Veaches, which I, I there's still a lot for a lot more for me to read. I, I think Brad Pack would be up Woods Alley out of yeah. Brad. Uh, another I'll tell example. You, oh, go ahead. I hold the man on a pedestal. I would, and I, I say this all the time. Rick Veach can hold his own against Alan Moore any day in terms of writing. Alan Moore can draw too. Rick Veach is a much better draftsman. <laughs> the, the guy, he is one of my definitely one of my top five creators. He's unbelievable. Give him a chance. Veach is awesome. And I was amazed yep. when I met him. A like normal looking of a guy. He is like oh, really. <laughs> you can't be Rick Veach. You're like Rick Veach's uncle or something. Here. <laughs> Another example uh, is Hundred Bullets. Mm-hmm. You know, don't I talk bad about that. Don't. Don't. No. 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 I, I read the. First, <laughs> no. He's not gonna. <laughs> no. I read the first trade. I don't know. Two years ago. Whatever. A while ago. Didn't dislike it, but you know, I just read it and didn't think enough of it to pick up the next trade or keep with it. Um, but. Now I'm dying to really pick it up. Well, mainly, be, and again, it comes down to opinion. I, I value the four you nuts opinions, and 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 you and a couple other people have all s- said such high praise for it universally. So that so uh, it's it's got me curious to really go back and and, and give it another try. So I got the the first trade. I pulled out the first trade again. I'm going to read it this week, and then I went and picked up the the next three trades after that. I'm going to give it a real good good chunk of a try, and then hopefully I will. Uh, I will uh, find it as enjoyable as uh, as I suspect I might. Hello, 11 o'clock comics. It's Blazefire33 checking in again. But this time I'm not calling in to promote Deadpool, although you should be reading it. This time I'm calling in in memory of the 50th episode of 11 o'clock comics to say a little bit about each member of the show. So let's start off with the head of the snake, Mr. Vince B. Now what is there to say about Vince? If, say, Grant Morrison was selling one of his testicles, Vince already proclaimed that he would own it. If Jack Kirby to be risen from the dead, he'd be there to witness it. And I think that's enough said. Chris Neesman. Fuck! And uh, Jason Wood. What is there that you cannot say about Wood? Wood's ever-so-talented drink-mixing. Wood's ever-so-talented baby-making. There's 25 children around the world that he doesn't make notice about. It's so many things you can say about him. And then there's the other guy on the show. What's his name? Uh, uh, Rick. Uh, 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 Michael. Uh, Daryl? Yeah, Daryl. That's his name. Daryl is hilarious. Well, that's it. Keep on going. I, I want to talk about two things. Just two things, and then I'll shut up. Do it. Because if, if, I, if I get going on these, both of them, I, I enjoyed them so much, uh, you're going to have to squash me because they're, they're, they're that good. I, I had the extreme good fortune of being sent a DVD screener for a film called Big Man Japan. Has it, have any of you heard of that? I've no, heard of it. It's about, is that about, well, go ahead and, I pre, I'm pretty sure I heard of it. I haven't seen it. But it's, it's from Magnolia Pictures. It's called Big Man Japan. It's it's a mockumentary written, directed, and starring Hitoshi Matamudo. Okay, it's obviously it's a Japanese movie. It's subtitled. It, it's about a sixth generation Japanese superhero, and his his superpower is when he's juiced up with electricity, he grows to about a hundred foot tall, and he protects Japan from rampaging monsters. Which sounds like a great idea for an action flick. This movie is anything but an action flick. The guy is the most inept, bumbling, 
pathetic fighter you've you've seen. He he enters battle with these huge monsters and just kind of stands there and holds a big stick and he's mocked by the people of his village. They they despise him because they say he causes a lot more damage than he he's worth unlike his predecessors who were actually really good at what they did and fought really uh if if you've ever um seen the Japanese kaiju th- these horrific just rampaging monsters just destroying everything in their path that was his predecessors he fights monsters they're ridiculous they're they're, they're monsters called um the strangling monster it, it's actually a monster with a comb over it, it has huge arms. It, 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 no, really, it has a comb over. It wraps its arms around buildings and pulls them down. It gets a kick out of pulling down buildings. And that's the most, uh, what's the word I want to say, I, in terms of uh, like a, if there was a hierarchy of dangerous monsters, that would be his most dangerous foe, just a monster that likes to pull down buildings. And it, it has a comb over. It's a bald man with a comb over, and it has arms of, of rubber pulling down buildings. There, there's another monster called the child monster, which is a huge baby that just lays around places crying. And, and he, he, he can't even deal with that. He, he picks up the baby, and the baby thinks it's his mother and starts suckling on his nipples. And, and now listen, and because the, the process they use to grow him w- when they electrocute the guy, they put jumper cables on his nipples. And, and they, they put him in a huge pair of spandex briefs, like maybe a 50-foot pair of briefs, and he stands in the middle of the briefs, and they juice him with the electricity, and he grows into the briefs. So his nipples are very tender. So when the baby starts suckling on his nipples, he drops it and kills the baby. So, so the Japanese people hate him. They call him a baby killer. Uh, there, there's another monster that all it does is fart. It's called the stink monster. It just fills Japan with noxious gas. There's uh, during one part of the film, he comes upon this monster just leaning against a building, as if you you would meet somebody in in you know a friend just leaning against the building doing nothing. He goes up to the monster and tries to get him to leave the city, get her to leave the city. And while he's doing this, the leaping monster comes and starts to sex up the other monster. And when he turns his back, the two monsters start fornicating. So in the next edition of the Japanese newspaper he's called the big man Japan turns into a pimp it's it's it's, an, it's a ludicrous just ridiculous film but it's it's done so well because you, you you would think okay here's a Japanese action movie it's anything but there are certain parts of the movie that are knocked down well I, I don't even want to say that because his fighting style is retarded he, he just walks up to the monsters and just looks at them uh, it has the the ingredients for an action movie, but it's anything but. The most you see um, of of the character, he's just waiting for the Minister of Defense to call him. That's his entire existence. He sits at home in his very small apartment, waiting for to get waiting for a phone call to go out and defend Japan. He's he's separated from his wife. His wife wants nothing to do with him because he's a laughing stock. His daughter doesn't even know who he is. He he actually lies to the documentary filmmaker telling him he he sees his daughter every month and they have a great relationship. Anything but. The daughter can't stand him. Uh he pays women for company, not sex. He just pays women to sit with him and and pretend like they enjoy his company. The guy is a wreck. And the the only salvation in his life is his grandfather, who was the fourth generation 
giant man of Japan, and he's now in a Japanese nursing home with Alzheimer's. And the neat part about it is the grandfather will spontaneously grow. So you have a 100-foot-tall old Japanese man in a diaper walking around Japan, totally whacked out because he has dementia, picking up airplanes and just talking into the propeller, making his voice really strange, uh, like licking buildings. Like, the guy's a mess. And, and uh, this big Sato guy, his whole life is taking care of his grandfather because there's a backstory to that. I won't, I won't let out because it needs to be seen. But the, the neat thing about this film, and Brian was talking about this when he was describing gorillas a few episodes back from Image Comics. You, you said there was one point in that comic where the whole status quo changed and it transformed that comic book into something totally unexpected. Yes. Big, big Man Japan has a scene like that. Towards the end of the film, something happens... And you're like, everything that came before is called into question. You, 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 you have to wonder, was it real? Was it not? What is going on here? And it becomes this satire of Japanese monster movies, a social commentary. It's like a George Romero film. You could read a lot of things into this movie. And I'm telling you, it, it's, it's like an art house giant monster movie. You got to see it. Big Man Japan. I will, I will look for it. It's, it's littered with these little subtle metaphors. He likes to carry around those collapsible umbrellas, even when it doesn't rain, because he likes the fact that it can compress into this small package and it gets bigger when you press the button. He eats, he eats dried seaweed on all of his food because it reconstitutes with water, like it's small, gets bigger. So there's, there's a ton of that in the movie. It's, it's a really neat movie. But I don't think he needs it because he doesn't have sex. He's pathetic. And he has an agent who tries to manipulate him into these situations, like uh, she, she gets advertisers to rent space on his body because he's, he's huge, and, and he, has like, so he has the equivalent of like a Coca-Cola logo on his chest. But, but he's a superhero. And um, he, when he gets zapped, his hair stands up on end like Jack Nance in Eraserhead. It's, it's just the weirdest movie you'd ever want to see. And in the end, they kind of make a nod to the Ultraman family. Nice. But it, but it takes a dark turn, a really dark turn. And uh, he gets his ass kicked by this. There is one very violent monster that he faces, but instead of fighting him, he runs away. After the monster kicks his ass, and because he got the shit beat out of him, uh, his fights are televised, by the way, because he got the shit kicked out of him, his ratings went up like five points because people hate him so much, they want to see him get the, get the tar kicked out of him. Weird, strange, beautiful movie. you got to see it. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, and, no, it's cool. And, and uh, the CGI animation is, is really neat. The, the first time he transforms, they, they have a real tight, real tight view of his face and you think okay it's a close-up shot of his face but a bird flies by underneath his eye and then you kind of get this this uh, sense of scale that this guy is huge like i said don't think it's an action movie because the the movie's set up much like the character's personality he's very laid back he doesn't say much uh, he's kind of deadpan when he does say something so there are huge chunks of just him talking to the interviewer 
and reve- it's a character piece, just revealing little aspects of his life, and then maybe you'll get like a, a two or three minute monster fight, and then it goes back to just him walking around town by himself, people sneering at him, calling him names, they write graffiti on the wall of his of his house, like, go away, you suck, you know what I mean? So it's it's really neat. It, it's it's a, a cut above, different kind of movie. I think Norton and Crank talked about this on the Crankcast a bit ago. Did they really? Sounds like a Crank movie. Yeah. Well, was that one of the guys, one of their buddies whose name escapes me, had went to a oh, film Tabor. festival. Oh, Tabor. Tabor, yeah. He went to a film festival, and he talked all about this movie, I think. And and I think the movie is uh, being... It's, it's having a limited release now, and uh, the DVD will be coming soon, if it's not out already. But uh, if if it's in your town, make an effort to see it. It's it's something. It's not something you'll see every day. It's it's a really special film. For sure. And the second thing I want to talk about real quick, I was sent a graphic novel Ooh. by by the writer sent it to me. Really, Eric? Yes, Eric C. Hayes sent it to me. Wow. The artist is Rudolph Monte Mejor. Could you get all and stuff? Yeah, I get freebies. And the uh, the colorist and letterer. <laughs> it's called. <laughs> his name is Mark Borstel. It's called the Outer Spacemen. Now I grew up in the '60s, so I immediately recognized That's these characters geez. as as being uh, in 1968. How old are you, Vince? I'm. I don't. I'm 43. Oh. I was born in '65. These, uh, if are you guys familiar with color forms, you know the little vinyl clings that you you'd get like a. You know, a scene, and you could cling, put these vinyl clings in any place you want, and then move them around. Well, Color Forms tried making, tried to make action figures back in the day. In 1968, they were they were bendy spacemen, and I had two of them. Um, my friends had them too. And what Eric Hayes has done is he's taking the taken these Color Form characters and writ, wrote a story around them and brought them into the present day. It's called the Outer Spacemen. It, it's really neat. There, there's characters like Alpha Seven, the Man from Mars, Electron Plus, the Man from Pluto. What it is is there's this coalition of superheroes, space heroes, adventurers, whatever you want to call them, one from every planet, kind of like a legion of superheroes, but it's in our solar system. And they investigate the disappearance of four Earth people. One of them's a rocket scientist. Another is a, a career army man who's good with ballistics. Uh, an executive uh, of a of a chemical co- corporation, and w- what they're doing is they they try to defoliate the Amazon rainforest to make way for this supreme badass called Mistron. And it takes the, the, it, he works a lot of the fringe shit that I love so well into it, like op- Operation Paperclip is is part of it. It, it. it even goes into the origins of hell and the devil and the. Uh, the rise of humanity. If you thought we were evolved from apes, you're wrong. And so what happens is this girl, she's a blogger. She, she, she's a conspiracy theorist. She notices that these individuals were missing and cobbles together a theory. And it just so happens she's right, but she doesn't know the nature of it or how, how bad it is. So these, these uh, five or six space heroes band together to save our planet. And it, I'll tell you, it, it was surprisingly good i mean it came out of left field and uh the art it's a cross between sam keith kelly jones and Ooh. yeah it's really cool it, it, it's called a uh, beloved toy liner of yesteryear which captured the hearts of children and collectors across america are back reimagined for the 21st century that's what got me because there's a little bit of profanity in the book 
and uh, one of the heroes, the leader of the heroes, is called Commander Comet. Think of the Archangel Michael, but only a space dude. He's he's got like golden armor and wings, and he's he's you know the Aryan looking guy. They have no qualms about killing people, so it's kind of it's not graphic, but it's kind of bloodthirsty. So when when you're doing a, a story about a toy line and your characters are going around actually murdering people, it, it's it's kind of off putting at first, but it works because the planet is at stake. It's, and once you start dropping compu- conspiracy theories, <laughs> you know yeah. you, you won you won my heart already. So yeah, good going, Eric C Hayes. Great great stuff. You should send I this have- uh, to Dan Aykroyd. Maybe he'll come on the show. I don't know. But I will put pictures up on our on our thread because so so you can (laughs) (laughs) no he's he's just being facetious and uh, so so you know you guys can see this stuff because it's and there's there's a fold out cover with reproductions of the actual toys on the inside flap and they even went so far as the bad guy's not a color forms it was never a figure so they they mocked up what the guy would look like like in, in real life compared to the other toys it's really neat. It's a winner. It won my heart. I thought the color forms villain was just like the sun after being down on it in the window for a long time. They just lose all their color and shape. <laughs> and they, they curl up. They curl up. No, it's, it's a cool book. A dramatic reading from Please Kill Me, The Uncensored Oral History of Punk by Legs McNeil and Jillian McCain. This passage is attributed to Ron Ashton, who was the lead guitarist and bass player for the Stooges. It is about Nico from the Velvet Underground and Iggy Pop. Nico stayed a long time, about three months. Iggy never said if he was in love with her or not, but I remember after she left, Iggy came downstairs looking for some advice. He came up to me and said, Well, I I think something's wrong. Maybe you can tell me what this is. So he whips out his cock, squeezes it, and green goo comes out. I said, buddy, you got the clap. Nico gave Iggy his first dose of the clap. So what else we got? Chris, Sal, what are you guys reading? Come on. I'll just say that that Sal was uh, dead on with his... uh recommendation for uh, the daredevil arc that just started i, I read the uh, mm. the two issues of return of the king and you were dead on man they're awesome oh cool i'm glad you liked it very good and who's who's writing that broodbaker yep. yes neat yep and the uh, for a little the, uh, while longer yeah yeah until uh, andy dickel takes over yeah i haven't been reading all that much as of late i just uh just like in the last week i just haven't made a whole lot of time to to read a whole lot of books I'm trying to think of what I have read. I do like the looks of the New Mutants book coming up. Mm. Sal's memory is usually better on Friday nights. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sal, Sal, I have to, I have to thank you and Scotty for a uh, um, an actual prose book recommendation that you made way back when. I love you, I re- Beth Cooper. Yep, I re- I, oh, I'm wow. through about I'm through about half of I love you, Beth Cooper, and uh, it does have a little bit of a comic book tie-in, which I don't know if uh, if you guys had ever mentioned this or not. Or um, did you read the the paperback or the hardcover on it? Uh the hardcover. Did did it have the 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 pictures of Dennis as he gets like progressively yes more? Okay, you, you, do you know who did that? 
the name escapes me, but yeah, he's a comic book guy. I can't think of his yeah, name. Yeah, Evan, Evan Dorkin, who does Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Milk does, and cheese. Uh, yep. Milk and cheese. Daily yeah, product's gone he, bad. Yep, he did all the uh, all the illustrations in the book, and it's written by Larry Doyle. And uh, and you guys were absolutely cra- It is hilarious. It is a really, really funny book, one that uh, uh, I've already got Marta. I believe that she's going to read it whenever I'm done with it. So Soon to be what looks like a terrible movie. Oh, oh really? Shit. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like... Uh, the book is fantastic. It's incredibly funny and smart. Uh, it's like a John Hughes movie, but smarter mm-hmm. um, about this kid. But the movie just looks like they because a lot of the book exists in uh, in the main character's head, uh, which you know is hard to do in a movie. It looks like they just sort of got rid of that entire idea and tried to make tried to just make a a, a pretty bland genre comedy. Um, that I, I mean, I haven't seen the movie itself. I, I, I'm just going off the trailer, but I was not as much as I loved the book. I was not really thrilled uh, by the trailer of it. But but the book is absolutely awesome, and I, I would recommend it to anybody. I do have a comic though. Uh, I, I now that I think of it, that I read that I liked. Are you guys still there? Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just like dead <laughs> silence. Like no, nobody's saying anything. Oh my god. I mean that never. Happened. Reading with bated breath. Yeah. Captured yeah. by you. you guys fall asleep by my. <laughs> it, it's just because we're not in the same room. So you, you have the luxury of actually looking at someone when you're talking. <laughs> um, I was sent as long as we're uh, talking about stuff that that people sent us. Um, Boom Studios sent or not? Was it Boom? IDW? I don't know. Whoever's doing the uh, the Pixar cars and boom uh, okay boom they sent us some preview pdfs of the uh, of their cars and um the incredibles Mm -hmm. uh new comics that came out and i just want to give them a ton of credit because one i thought they did a great job with the books but two i thought that they come they were willing to keep the entire book from start to finish uh completely geared towards the target audience of children and did not try and make it anything other than that. Um, it's extremely fun. The art is great. Uh, in the Incredibles one that I read, um, the story is really neat. Uh, if you like the movie at all, you'll like you, you'll like the the comic. But even even like the there's a letter from the editor in the back, and and there's a uh, a little interview with the uh, the writer of the comic book in the back, and even those had sort of a very fun. Uh, feel to them. They were they weren't taking it you know very seriously. They were they were having fun with it, and and I just thought that they did a great job with that. And I and I, I applaud them for not trying to take it and like you know darken it up or something or make it for you know thirty five year old guys that might like the Incredibles instead of, of <laughs> kids like it's, it was supposed to be. And plus, it seems like they're really going after that market in in what they've done now with their. Uh, distribution deal to newsstands and and the different things that they're doing with it. So I really uh, I really got to give them as much uh, as we talk about a lot of times about how there's not uh, enough comics out there for young readers and kids out there. I have to give them uh, give them props for for doing it uh, what looks to be right. Now hopefully they'll get a crap load of kids interested in comic books from it. And the uh, Muppet Show book with mm. Roger Roger Langridge. Woo. I haven't Talk seen that kidding. one yet. I haven't. I haven't seen that one. But uh, you're familiar with his work. Yeah. Oh, the guy's amazing at what he does, and uh, what a natural fit for the for the Muppets. I think he was doing Muppet comics for some other magazine. 
and then they just brought him over to do the the monthly. I, I don't know whether uh, would it be Nickelodeon um, magazine, one of those things. Yeah, it was like Nick Junior, I think. Right, right, yeah. and uh, knocks it out of the park. And I was wrong. Uh, I thought they were thinner than the standard size comic book uh, of less pages, but they're not. They're, they're standard size. It's just that they put all the ads, limited ads, in the back of the book, right? Mm-hmm. So it just, it. I just got the impression that it wasn't the right size, but it is. And good for them keeping the price at two ninety nine, when all other boom titles are three fifty or three ninety nine, mm-hmm. right? And maybe if they're successful with all this, they will uh, start marketing some of the Disney stuff now that it's back up for grabs. Oh, I can only hope mm-hmm. somebody needs to do do affordable Disney comics. I actually mm-hmm. picked up what was the um, yeah Irredeemable came out. Was it this week? The, Last yeah, week? I think it was. Mm-hmm. I think it was this week. Have not read yep. it yet, but uh, looking forward to it and. Uh, uh, this is the the Mark Wade book from Boom. So yeah, it looks like Boom's putting out some putting out some good stuff again. And uh, oh, before I forget, um, you guys pick up Agents of Atlas this week. I'm, I'm, uh, it's on its way, but yeah, yeah. Ha- have not read it. Just flip through it, and uh, um, Gabe Hardman, who oh. in town, it it's about half of the art in it. It's uh, um, yeah. it looks like it's an interesting like cutscene story that goes you of know, the fifties, right? Yeah, goes doing the flashback stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. for three yeah. issues. The prior yeah, issue. where, 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 yeah, where some of the stuff in Agents of Atlas they'll tell like the present day story and then have the flashback as almost like a backup story. This is intercut throughout the entire uh, book, so it is it, it's it's part of the story. And uh, Gabe's stuff looks fantastic in color. Um, so um, uh, if you like what you see in Agents of Atlas, pick up Heathen Town. Oh, absolutely. That was really quick. Usually it takes a while for, for an image guy to gravitate towards Marvel, but it seemed like an overnight thing. Well, well, maybe I, I, Jeff Parker might have something to do with it. Well, but also, he, don't forget, yeah, Dean Hartman was a, was a Marvel regular penciler when he was 18 years old. <laughs> and he, he, he left. He, oh, that's right. That, he yes, was, you're correct. He was the penciler uh, on, on uh, we talked about this on, on War Machine. Back, oh, uh, yes, yes, right. yes. 18, he, he was under the name Gecko. He called that's himself right. Gabe Gecko. But uh, but right. So I'm full of crap. He's just yeah. out okay. the guy. No, no, he talked about it openly. But but he uh, he got fed up with the business and and left to do and still does. Very, he's a very successful storyboard artist for for mega blockbuster movies and stuff. But but uh, but yeah, he got the itch to to go back to comics. But he he was I, I, yeah. So his path to Marvel was not a uh, a difficult one for him to get back into. And, and I think. And- yeah, and I think Heathen Town has actually been done for a while, hasn't it, Sal? I mean, he was. Yeah, well, he had done that. Um, he had sort of just put it all together with his his wife wrote it and he drew it. Um, and I had seen that uh, back in the when we went to the New York Comic Con is where I met Gabe for the first time, and he had shown me it then, uh, and was trying to find a publisher for it at that time, and I sort of. I pointed him initially to the ape guys because they were there at our table, and uh, and I, I was blown away by his stuff. And he's a real really nice guy, but yeah, he's worked on nice on uh, storyboards for Spider Man two and three, and uh, he a lot of the other superhero ones. But he turns those down sometimes because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to see them before they're made. Uh, but um, no, really really good guy, awesome artist, and uh, and yeah, Heathen Town's fantastic looking stuff. You know, I'm glad you brought up Ape, because I would just like to reiterate something we've been talking about on our forums. Dynamite recently got the rights to Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. W- one of my favorite characters. And uh, they 
basically on Newsarama, they just announced that they had secured the license and comics will be coming. And we made the suggestion, because he expressed interest in the project, that Steve Bryant would be awesome on Green Hornet. So if anybody from Dynamite, just maybe on the off chance, somebody from Dynamite is listening to this, do, so, do a search on Google, look for Steve Bryant's work. The guy would do you proud, and he would knock this sucker out of the park. Well, mm. they didn't he do 24 for, for Dynamite? Oh, and yeah. and, and um, Gabe actually is doing a series with a called uh, Wind Windrider. Is it Windriders? Mm. Yes, Windrider. Uh, yep, that's yeah. right. Windriders. Which, yep. Yeah. Wind Raiders. Which, Wind Raiders. That's right. what it. Wind, okay. Sorry. Gabe. So basically, yeah. I discovered Gabe Hardman. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> him towards fame and, and success. So, Gabe, any well, success that you have in comics from this point on is pretty much my doing. And I expect a check. <laughs> By the way, speaking on Steve Bryan and Abe, it's an unfortunate situation that um, Diamond uh, lost half of the copies of the yeah. much-talked-about and anticipated on our show, Athena Voltaire Black Coat one-shot, which was due in people's uh, shelves last week. And uh, I know a lot of people, DCBS customers and whatnot, are, are waiting for it. Uh, Steve posted on our forums that that unfortunately what happened is you know Diamond did lose half the shipments. They found the half that they had lost of the black coat cover. They unfortunately have not been able to find as yet the half of the Athena Voltaire covers. And so many of us that sick. ordered yeah, yeah that cover are not getting the books. I just before we we signed we signed on to do the show tonight, I got an alert from DCBS informing me that it looks like they are having trouble finding the Athena Voltaire copies uh as a result um steve showing you what an amazing guy he is this has nothing to do with steve he you know he was done with the book you know months ago and, and had nothing to do obviously with diamonds logistics in spite of that um apparently he is offering dcbs customers and i don't know if this is for other places as well but at least for dcbs he's offering an athena voltaire print uh for for the for the uh i guess the inconvenience of having to wait for the book to get to you and uh and they're also saying if you want you can you can go ahead and get a black coat cover uh copy right now if you want or you can wait for the av cover but uh you know that's just, that's total total bullshit yeah that, i agree that, i mean, I mean it just shows it's, you it's that. nice of steve to do that but i think diamond should foot the bill for the friggin postage and the prints yeah, I agree. It's, because it's, because of this. But I, it gets back to, you know, Steve's so magnanimous about it, and we were all saying, Steve, you're handling this really well, but I guess his perspective is, what can you do? But it does show you that, again, uh, all too often, I think a lot of fans will, you know, a book will be late, or uh, they'll say, oh, you f- fucking creators can't get a book done. And, and th- you know, this was not the case. I mean, you know, Ben and, and, and Steve yeah, but- and, and the, uh, the the everybody else that were involved in that book had the book in the can months ago and, and this is really simply a fact a factor of, of, of diamond you know having right. just but, error and errors I happen you're, you're, you know, i'm not saying that uh, i'm not saying there's anything insidious here but 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 uh, no, errors do happen yeah. but uh, would this have happened to marvel or dc come on and normally DC. when mistakes uh, well, do happen someone someone owns up to it someone and, right, and, and i mean in this case it's steve but it doesn't need to, it shouldn't be steve mm-hmm. but you're yeah no it's it diamond should Ridiculous. make, no, it's, make it's, that it's, on it's, this it, it's unfortunate and, uh, but uh you know just uh you know hopefully there'll be a time when you can reorder it and i already talked i i talked to steve he's going to be at the the windy city show so if you're coming in for that show um Keep my fingers crossed that he's going to have a lot of a lot of copies uh, whenever he's out on the the convention circuit this year. 
I hope he doesn't because yeah. they're already sold. Do, do, <laughs> but what what about the income Steve would have gotten from these? Would have received from these books? Yeah. Where who's gonna who's gonna give him that? Wait, so he he doesn't have them? product to sell. Diamond yeah, they misplaced the, them in the warehouse yeah, they, or something. They, they lost Diamond the Athena Vault. Them? Yeah, the yeah, Athena Vault yeah. tear covers. Yeah, that seems it's freaking ridiculous. Yeah. Well, they're already sold at that point. Though, yeah, aren't they? the good news is that this it did sell out. But so. but when looking back when looking back on it, you'll have people say either online or you know murmurs <laughs> that the the Athena Voltaire cover never made it to the shop. No, no one's going to find you, you're going to have to dig to find out that someone at Diamond misplaced a right. box of books. But it 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 could mar Steve's reputation for like where's my Athena Voltaire cover. Well, and also from a revenue perspective, if they don't in fact find this this one quarter of the of the print run, they're they're going to issue refunds. Obviously, I mean, if, if stores don't get the book, they're not going to have to pay for them. So that it will cost Steve and 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 what I mean. a, a yeah. money if if they can't find them. Uh, I mean, now Diamond may may offer them some kind of you know compensation because well, if they're Diamond fun, lost them. If Diamond lost yeah, them, yeah. But I'm saying it, so it, I'm it, not, it could have. But the, but the thing is, Diamond could do whatever the hell. Yeah, because you're not going to you're wow. not going to say, okay, well, I'm going to Heroes World with my next book. It's not going to happen. Right. But what I can say, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take my thing to Capital City. Thank you. Well, it's not a matter of that. I mean, there's still regardless of if Diamond is a is a the only distributor out there. There's still a business, and they're you know, I mean, at some point, it's I mean, it's just an issue of. Legality. Yeah, I mean, you, but the you, issue you is know, as a distributor, owner, yeah, it's hard enough to get an LCS owner to to order something from the back of the uh, of Diamond, and then you know he orders five copies, gives it a chance, and it doesn't ever come, and then he just says to himself, oh, "That's the last time I order from Ape, or the last time I order Athena Voltaire." You know, even though it's got nothing to do with the creators or the publisher, and, and that's that's right. Now Diamond has come out and, and and said that they they lost them. Or is this just sort of the word? The- well, Diamond's no, this told, is told Steve, Steve coming and out. Ben Licious that that's what happened. I mean, I don't know that Diamond's put out a press release or anything. I, I just think that they told well, yeah, Steve would- that's what the deal is, and Steve's you know going around this, the the circuit letting people know why their book isn't in their in their inbox. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, that's- but any but anyway, Dynamite people, check into Steve Bryant's work for Green Hornet. He he he'll do a good job. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's the man for the job. Does he have to look what Seth else? Rogen? Uh, I don't know. Because he's playing with Gene Orton in the movie. Oh, Jesus Christ. I think Sal and I have some (laughs) pretty pictures coming to us from Steve this week, don't we? Uh, yeah, we're uh, yeah, supposed to get them this week, but I won't be in, I didn't get them yet. Uh, he said he sent them, uh, with some commissions that we got from Mr. Brian. I got a nice daredevil on a, on a gargoyle commission that he did for me. Sweet. Yeah, and while we're on the subject of commissions too, come to our forum. Mm. Give the address again: <laughs> www.eleveno'clockcomics.com, and check out Dave Wacker. Oh my god, thread. dude! <laughs> That's Dave Wacker is crazy. He's, he's off the charts. He's tearing it up. It's crazy. It it's up. insane. How good see him this weekend at Emerald City? It is. Crazy. He did the he did the Space Boy from. Uh, Umbrella Academy. Mm. Holy crap! Yeah. Is that nice? That comedian piece he did last week. Yeah, killing. Oh, Dave, hey, Dave's- you know, speaking of, and because it was on your form uh, and our form, but uh, I got my Jeff Lemire sketch nice. in yeah. uh, my uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern that he did for me. I love his Golden Age stuff. I love when he does Golden Age characters. I just think they're. Uh, there's something about his style that lends itself to the golden age really well. All done with a brush, too. Makes yeah. it even more yummy. <laughs> no doubt. Yep. 11 o'clock comics. 
Congratulations on 50 episodes. I hope y'all had a good shower because I'm about to kiss y'all's ass. Chris, you do a good job, man. Keep up the grumpy grumbling. A little too much uh, booze snobbery for my taste, but eh, heck, I guess you deserve it. David, oh, my beautiful David. You got a sultry voice, and you're always dropping the knowledge. Keep it up, my man. Vincent, what can I say that has not been said before? You are a man of vision, and I appreciate it. Keep up the great work, and I'll keep listening. And wood. Well, good effort, slugger. Anyway, just wanted to call and uh, thank all y'all for all the good times. Y'all really make my uh, day at work quite a bit better. Keep on keeping on. Let's see another 50. All right, bye. I think that's all we got, boys. Or unless you got something else to talk about. Well, I just want to ask Mr. Marvel Noise something real quick. Okay. Who's that? What have you been thinking of X Infernus? I, I was waiting for it to finish. I haven't read it yet. All four oh, issues I, are out, so I, I I don't have super high expectations, so I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Looks issue. Looks great. Oh, yeah. looks It, it looks amazing, but is that four issues, did you say? I thought four it was four issues, issues yeah. Yeah, it is. I think... I think the uh, collected edition is solicited in this month's Marvel preview. I believe you're right. Fourth issue came out this week, right? I'm getting it on tomorrow, I think. Finch is a beast. He is a beast. I love his stuff, and it's 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 uh, magic too. So you get a little bit of hotty toddy. Oh there too. lord! Dude. And, and you and you know she. How old is she now? She's got to be eighteen. Jesus. Yeah, because that makes it better Isn't for she? you. Yeah. Who's the artist oh, no. on that series? Finch. Finch, Finch did the covers. Did he do the interiors? He didn't do the interiors. I think it's Giuseppe. Oh, who did the interiors? Uh, it's, uh, it's an Italian guy. Common Coley, right? Yeah, Camo. The, the guy that did the Young Avengers Runaway? <sighs> no, that's Caselli. Uh, that's Caselli. Oh, no, Stefano Caselli. Camo Coley is an Italian artist. He did, he just he's just wrapped up a, a run on Hellblazer. Um, he did uh, he did the Orson Randall and Death Queen of California one shot, I think. Yeah, I think oh. you're right. He's phenomenal. He's You bet. Yes. He's And I just want to let everybody know because I did not know this. But this new Vertigo crime series that they have going on now, did you know that one of the books and I'm gonna get you the title right now, uh there's two solicited in this month's previews. The Ian Rankin one, Dark Entries, that's a John Constantine story. <laughs> I did oh not yeah, know that. yeah, yeah. The the original OGN that he's doing that's two hundred page OGN. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a it's a Hellblazer book. Yep, that kicks off the crime line. And the other is Azarello and Santos's Filthy Rich, which looks really good too. Nice. It does. Yeah, there was an interesting yeah. article by uh, uh, interview with him uh, on that uh, Constantine book. That um, you know, he uh, for people that may not know who he is, he's a pretty famous novelist. But uh, they, he said in the interview that they contacted him about because uh, he had mentioned somewhere in some other interview. About uh, he dropped some comic book names, and so somebody from from DC contacted him and said, "Hey, would you be interested in writing comics?" And he's like, "Yeah, I've been waiting my whole life for that call." <laughs> and uh, and he said he pitched them some ideas, and and they really liked the John Constantine one. And being British, he he loves he loved the character John Constantine. Um, but uh, he said he started. What writing. is it about that character that attracts really good writers? I just think because he's. Uh, Kind of unique. 
he's unique. He's he's sort of an everyman, but and he doesn't have any true you know like abilities necessarily. And he's a bastard. I mean, I, remember, yeah, yes. I think writers, especially British writers, like to write bastards. They don't want to write a nice guy. Yeah, he's an anti. Oh, you know, to work to your strengths. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But uh, he said he started writing it sort of freeform because he didn't know how to write comic books. And he was just writing it almost prose, and, and he got to a point where he was like, wow, this is pretty long. And the, it originally wasn't planned to be a 200-page graphic novel, but they really liked the story, and they're like, let's just run with it and do a 200-page graphic novel. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm really looking Hardcover, to too. Yeah. I, I'm, I have a, I'm in a quandary because this month Dark Horse's Eerie Volume 2 is offered. And there's so many, so many other things that I want to get. I don't know if I'm going to have room for the Vertigo crime stuff. But on the other hand, I know I'm going to be missing out on something really special if I don't get these things. God, you know that. What do that, you What was, do you do? I was talking with Marshall about that, and it's like, Chris, how many of the creepy and eerie archives are there going to be? And it's going to be a lot. Oh yeah, it's going yeah. to be a lot. And I, I decided I'm. I got the first volume of each one, and I'm like, yep. I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to keep getting the EC stuff whenever, you know, yeah. as I as I get... But, yeah, and, no, uh, uh, um, oh, are the, they... The, uh, did they announce... They haven't, they, no, they haven't announced anything yet. Oh. They haven't announced it, but uh, as well as the gemstone stuff, I think they're on hiatus because Mr. Jeppe owes $375,000 in printing costs that he hasn't paid. He doesn't for. have that in pocket pocket money right now? I, I I don't know I don't know but um, yeah the the future of the EC line is uh, uncertain let's just say that uh, well we'll so. see but I, I'm the yeah. creepy stuff is really nice I picked up the first, oh. I got the first volume and I'm like yep I'm gonna stop there <laughs> because if I don't I, it'll yeah it'll get out of control. Oh, like and haven't gotten like you're not out of control already. I'm already out of control. <laughs> <laughs> he, he can't you, be stopped. You just built an entire room to to basically <laughs> hold your hardcovers. That's that's pretty much why you built an entire exactly. floor on your house. I, I don't have I don't have room to put the rest of the creepy and airy archives. <laughs> that's what that's that's what it is. I'm, uh-huh. I'm back. But you 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 gravitate towards the noir crime stuff too. I mean that's your thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. See, creepy. That's creepy and eerie. That those are my babies. I I can't I can't say no to those. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I can't say no to either. <laughs> and and what's really cool? Did you say you can't say no to the the creepy and eerie? Or you can't say no to me. No, I can't say no to either uh, the noir stuff. Oh, I, okay. I, I'm gonna have to pick up the Vertigo stuff and the the creepy and eerie stuff. It's gonna be a big month, I'm telling you. But what's really cool about the Warren stuff, creepy and eerie in particular. The, the magazines had two different phases. You had the, the, the early phase with all those classic artists that we see in the initial volumes. And then later on with the Filipinos, mm-hmm. that, it's just, it totally changed into this dark, more, way more adult. And you got actually serialized recurring characters, which was really neat. So there's, there's, Two sides to the creepy and eerie coin, and you got to get them both. Can't you get comp copies of the Vertigo stuff? Who? <laughs> you. You're Mr. Big Podcaster, dude. Comp copies. Yeah. That's like uh, being, well, as I've said to someone else, it's the tallest midget kind of thing. <laughs> being a big podcaster doesn't really mount up to much of anything. 
We get. I get. Vote you know what Pablo. I get. You know what I get more than anything, and I, I kid you not. I get uh, probably at least twice a month. I get a package in the mail uh, from uh, Ballantine Books with some manga in it. They send wow. me that stuff constantly. I don't read any of it. Uh, and I guess you lost it. our address. <laughs> yeah. it's, all like, it's all like for like 14 year old girls I don't know I didn't what, what the hell you I didn't, and you've, never, and you've never met Chris and you've never hey, met Vince hey, hey, hey what the hell you think's going in those 500 gift bags at the Wayne City Council <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> boxes of manga I, I have I literally have boxes although they sent me something somebody sent me I something today manga. it was like a Wolverine manga oh yeah yep oh speaking of Wolverine did, did anyone brother see that oh, did okay. anyone see See the the boot the, the uh, unfinished the, uh, the working print working print uh, of the Wolverine movie. It, dude, if that's the movie, they have a lot to worry about. Uh, it's, 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 no, no, it's 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 the CGI. The special effects aren't finished. Uh, it's, it doesn't it's, matter. It's the working it's, print, but yeah, it's I, I know what I I have you all seen it. No, I'm not. No, I don't, no, I don't, no. I don't, nope, I don't want. I don't want. <laughs> Because I know people, I'm just saying. I, from what I understand, I saw it in glancing fans, passing. Deadpool fans aren't yep. gonna be happy. That's what I've heard. <laughs> it was, ne- it was, it was never on my hard drive. No, and no. Well, I didn't. I, first of all, I don't want Fox to. Of all the things, of all the shit that I've downloaded over the years, I'm not gonna risk anything over Fox looking to see if I'm downloading this thing. Oh please, the easiest thing in the world is anonymous downloads. I know. You don't, I know. Come on. I just know. I got. I got. My hard drive space is too precious right now to try to look for that thing. All right, let's just say Mr. Wood will not be happy. No, I don't think he will. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly, Mr. Wood will not. Allegedly, yeah. yes. so unhappy. Those, right. those, 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 Ryan Reynolds, those Ryan Reynolds quote unquote reshoots were because he didn't have time initially in his schedule. So it's not like they went back and added more scenes uh, for Ryan. That was what he was contractually obligated to do. But because a Another movie he was working on prevented him from filming. <laughs> waiting to, so they the, just the, wrote out all of his talking. Pretty they just much wrote out all of his dialogue. <laughs> yeah. So you know, all the scenes that he filmed at the end weren't reshoots. They were what he was supposed to film initially. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't think if you're a Deadpool fan, this is going to be your movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh no! These guys are laughing at my sorrow. Yeah, fuck all y'all. I can't. You know why? Because I'm picturing the rant in my head when this when this movie when you when you plunk down your nine dollars and you get in there and you're all giddy and you're sweating and you're sitting down with you are gonna come out of there like somebody just shit in your popcorn bucket, buddy. It's it's yeah yeah. I, I feel bad. They still got a month though. They got a month. But you really think about it. How the hell can you screw up Wolverine? It's it's almost impossible. You know to how, screw up that character. You know how you screw up Wolverine? How's that? You you delve into all the mystery that makes Wolverine a cool character, and you try and explain it. <laughs> in a Which movie. is what they've that done for the it. last thirty friggin' years. And, 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 right, but right. The, the, but but the pieces are there. The pe- the, the, the the history with the the bone claws and the kid and the Wolverine origin. I mean, that was kind of compelling. And and you have the whole antagonism thing with Sabretooth. But to throw all these other characters in there, it's yeah. just it's it's like Batman Returns. You don't need all those characters in there. I, it's just. 
Yeah, I don't understand. I haven't, I haven't I seen it, it, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I haven't either. No. It's whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> the internet's a great place, but I heard. I'll tell you, I have never freed up more hard drive space <laughs> faster. <So quickly>. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I thought, the, yeah. well, I thought the beginning was pretty cool, but... But you've heard the beginning was cool. I heard the beginning. Yeah. I heard... I envisioned the beginning to maybe possibly be really cool. And the yeah. ending to possibly suck balls. Possibly. Allegedly. Big, if, Boy. <laughs> Big hairy. You, you know, Wood, if you want to see Deadpool, I will back up Mr. Neesman's claims on the Wolverine Hulk cartoon. Oh, he's great yeah. in that. Oh, it's spectacular. I, you gotta, uh, if you don't have it already, you got to get it. I have it. I haven't watched go. it yet, but I do have it. Oh, there, There's your Deadpool. And it's such a... You know, Ryan Reynolds should make, and did make initially, a fantastic Deadpool. Oh, he's he in the been groove, a yeah. Deadpool. I, I, yeah, I agree. Heard. He should be perfect for it. But. Yeah, and I think the scene with him serving pizza was kind of a stretch. <laughs> they but, spliced that know. in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two girls, a Deadpool, and a pizza <laughs> box. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, poor Wood. It is to weep. All right. I guess that's it. Let me see how long we've been doing this for. 11. Yeah, yeah, we're we're a little over time, but we can talk for more. I mean, we have Sal here. We might as well use him. I tell you, whenever Sal comes on the show, ratings jump. I don't know oh if this God. one's gonna. <laughs> they no, they do. They, we get about a, an extra couple hundred uh, downloads just because of you. So we'll just say Sal's and, on from now on. If I and conversely, the, uh, the whenever Tom comes on, the downloads go down. Yeah, true. No. I don't know why that is. No, honestly, they do. No. Yes, when with the episode that Tom was on, they go down. Tom is it like, went down. Tom is like the, I know. Uh, you know the equivalent of. Uh, it was our horror episode. Did Did you hear how I described Tom in in a response to his claims that our forum was pictures and lolcats? I said Tom Tom is half Stephen Wright, half Uatu the Watcher. That's Tom. <laughs> he, Tom. he sits. He. He sits in the shadows and he just waits for someone to say something. Yes, I can respond to that in a witty way. And he'll just boom. He swoops down like a hawk and then he leaves. That's Tom. Yeah, Tom is usually uh, Tom is very much an observist. He, he he brings the funny from afar. Tom he, makes me laugh more than uh, more than just about anybody I've ever known. Uh, just on a personal level, I crack up listening to Tom all the time. He he kills me, but. Uh, so I can't yeah, I can't imagine show. why people wouldn't want to listen to him on your show. I mean, good lord! Although he has said he has said very insulting things about you and your listeners. I I don't do that kind of thing. Huh. I take yeah. the high. Huh? It it all stems from jealousy. That's <laughs> what it is. It is. I, hey, I told I, I told David I was jealous. Of, I'm jealous of your voicemails that you get. Well, not all of them, but not all. Some, <laughs> some of them I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. You can keep Daryl. I don't really need to hear that <laughs> much Aww. more. I, I love Daryl's honesty. That that's the thing that enamors me to, okay. to Daryl is he's 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 just so honest. He doesn't like something. He doesn't give a shit if God likes it. He doesn't like it. That's that's very refreshing. I like that. No, but uh, you you got yeah, well you know and congratulations on fifty episodes. Now you guys are hit the big yeah. five. I didn't realize fifty two. I didn't realize fifty two would be the landmark. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, uh, but the, not a special. We're having two landmarks this month. It wouldn't be a 50th episode without Mr. Salazar because, like I said, and I, I'm sure David feels the same way, if it wasn't for Chris and Sal and Tom, we would not be doing this. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have done bullpen bulletins, and we sure as hell wouldn't be doing this show. Oh, well. She has to. That's the truth. 
we are, we are truth. yeah we're the we're the ones to blame i guess yes you are that's right mm-hmm. yep <laughs> Vince. But, and deadpool you can blame deadpool <laughs> by the way Wait, the deadpool you know from the movie crack, yep david what cracks you up david goes out of his way to never say anything negative uh about anything marvel. what no about anything marvel oh okay him. right marvel he'll, he'll marvel. bite his tongue you know if he doesn't like something he'll just not talk about it Except when I'm listening to fucking Marvel Noise, Dan <laughs> every other episode find a reason to point out that he really doesn't like Deadpool. <laughs> episode 73, David's but like, if he, I only if, have about 13 seconds to talk today, so let me just mention before I hand it over to the guys who do the show for me every week that I hate Deadpool. All right, now I'm going to hand it off to Steve Raker and Mike Sims and Pat Lloyd to do their stuff. How can well, you not like Deadpool? If, if they made, if they made a, a Deadpool comic from the guy in the movie, I'd probably enjoy that. Oh, the, uh, that- no, 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 no. You wouldn't, you wouldn't need a letter. <laughs> it would be the it would be the most boring movie ever. Well, listen, uh, how about or, or comic. the word no. balloon of the word balloon of the episode that we uh, like to do? Okay, I just want to tell you one thing. I dropped Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Week. <laughs> I dropped it because that stupid Thunderbolts crossover. Well, now let me ask you though: Are you but dropping Cable? Stu- then? There's nothing stupid about that Thunderbolts crossover. I agree. It's I I, I don't want to buy a book I'm not already buying. Did and you drop so, it? I, Did so you therefore, drop but see, I'm a I'm a very hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite because I said that about Cable that I was going to drop Cable, and I was in the shop yesterday. I'm like, mm, this Messiah War thing looks pretty sweet. So I picked up X Force. <laughs> oh. The the I, I got the Messiah War one shot, and I'm still buying Cable. I can't quit Cable. He's my dude. Won't won't, won't read Thunderbolts after I after I talk about it incessantly, but you'll read the fucking Messiah War. Thanks, Vince. But. I probably will order the trade in this month's previews because it's super cheap. It's like twelve ninety nine for the 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 uh, Deadpool Thunderbolts crossover. That and, and you know from DCBS we're going to get it for like eight bucks, seven bucks. So yeah, I'll probably get it. I have to uh, say I'm not. Yeah. A, I was never really a Thunderbolts fan. I uh, Warren Ellis is sort of hit or miss with me sometimes, and I didn't really care for Thunderbolts. I didn't like it either. I do like the 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 Diggle. Uh, Thunderbolts. Oh. The couple of issues that have come out uh, from him, I think, have been really good. And I just had. Are you clicking your pen? Not me. No, I think I that's have a dog walking. Yeah. Oh, that's my dog oh. with her nails. Dewclaw. Dewclaw. Okay, all I gotta say to sell you on Thunderbolts, Vince, is irredeemable Ant Man hiding in Black Widow's boobs. Wow, so they're going back. To yeah, the but we've jokes. We've already. Yeah, we've already seen that in in irredeemable Ant Man the series, the late lamented, wonderfully produced series. That I love so much. Yeah, but nobody, nobody read that. David, so you can David too. That's again. true. You're right. Yeah, you can. And, and it's Ms. a crime that nobody Marvel's read dead that. now, so it's okay. What? When did she die? <laughs> Spoiler. What? Uh, she died last week. And where can I get custody of the body? Uh, you can't. Okay. Body's in, out there. How can you read So Cable? who's the... Marvel is killing me. How, how, what do you like about Cable? I don't get Cable that character is the, at all. G- 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 Cable, G- Cable to me... Yes, Kate. No, it's got nothing to do with Scott. He's the Ascani son. Cable to me is the pinnacle of the mutant universe. I love Cable. He's the Messiah. He looks like a total freaking badass. But he's got a heart. Yeah, yeah. I I attribute that some of that to and Louis Simonson. No, let's give most credit. Most of my love for Cable comes from. Let's give credit where he. I mean, the guy's much maligned, but let's. But Rob Liefeld designed Cable, and he still looks the same as he did when Liefeld drew him all crazed muscular back in 1997. 
Yeah, but I mean, I, I I really liked Cable before a certain point, but once Ladron got his hands on him, he made Cable real to me, and I've been in love with the character ever since. You mean the guy with 97-inch biceps are, is real to you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he speaks to him. And <laughs> he speaks to me. I just want to run my fingers through his, his white I like, hair. I like your scar. Mm. Your I never, I never got into you. the character. I mean, I never... Uh, he, to me, he was the sort of pinnacle of... Of, <laughs> of the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that to be like, uh, you know, to make a joke of anti. No, I'm, I know. I'm just saying he really was sort of like, to me, it seemed like just the pinnacle of cliche, uh, you know, gimmick character in the '90s. So I never really got into that character at all, and 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 I just always see like I always see that when I see that character is just like but he, he's the one glimmer of hope that the mutants have. He's trying to change the future to make it. Uh, and Stuart will thank me for pronouncing this correctly, palatable for palatable, palatable for all his brethren. This is the guy he's trying to enact change. He's, he's, a, he's a figure of hope in the, in the mutant universe. He does kill, but he's not like Mr. James and, and his stupid son just shredding people just because he can. You know what I mean? He, Cable's the dude. He, he's, a, he's an upstanding member of society. <laughs> mutant society. He's trying to change things for the better come on i know i'm just like i said I, I i i haven't really read anything with him in it other you know in about 20 or you know 10 15 years so i don't i don't know yeah, anything yeah, about I him i just in, i don't have any interest in the character really i i don't think it's in trade but the joe kelly uh ladron uh cable series it is joe kelly right uh it's not Kay, I, it's not casey is it casey i get casey and kelly mixed it was up. casey actually uh, Casey, the the Ladron series, uh, James Robinson was on it for a couple issues before, but I mean, once Ladron gets on there, that series is fantastic. And then it, you know, you get Igor, Igor Corday after, but I, I just I just love the character of Cable. It's like Wood with Deadpool. I I just love Cable. How can I say it? Well, the the Ladron he's got that that funky that. eye too, looking at you. I love that. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> and I said and the lots Ladron of stuff is fantastic. Yes. He's got lots of right. pouches and guns. No, he doesn't do the pouch thing anymore. He doesn't do the pouches anymore? No. Not not too much, no. Uh, Ariel Olivetti draws him real sleek, and he, he looks his age now. McKelvey did a great uh, great job with it. Yeah, that was really surprising. Yeah. Because I picture him as the... Uh, um, oh, Jesus, I'm getting so old. Nah, I don't want to say Popcon. What was the name of McKelvey's book? Phonogram? For image. The Suburban Glamour? Yeah. Phonogram? No, phonogram. I picture him as as an indie type artist that well, you he know is. he is, but the guy can hold himself. Yeah, he he slid he slid into that mold really <laughs> smooth. No, he did. He uh, mainstream comics. He he can do that too. The guy's great, and, and the coloring was really good too, though. And Hope actually looked like a young eight-year-oldish oh, don't give wood any ammunition please <laughs> well, another guy not not he's not like um not like jamie art art wise but uh i kind of felt that way where it's like wow this is a an interesting choice for this but it's kind of growing on me as i as i'm uh reading it i'm finally getting through the uh, first annihilation conquest hardcover that's got the uh, the star lord uh, with the with Timothy Green. Timothy Green. Oh, that's yes. gorgeous. Yeah. That is gorgeous. That guy is brilliant. Yeah, it, but it was an odd art choice for that for that series. But I'm I'm digging it as I'm getting through it. Peter Quill. Doesn't is it have character. a lot of 
uh, it's it almost has an air of a European graphic yeah, album. Absolutely. I, I yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Timothy Green just did that Iron Fist issue. The Iron Fist. Well, well, he did some did some pages to it, didn't he? No, well, no, he no, did. He did, no, he did the full issue for the nineteen or twenty, yeah. right? But he did a couple of pages from uh, I think issue twenty three, and I don't oh, know about okay. I haven't four. read that yet. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. Right. I like this stuff. Right. I, I do want to say two things. One, uh, Deadpool's sweet, and I don't care. You the man, love, Deadpool's I love awesome. I, oh, I loved. I love the fact that Deadpool is completely insane, and that people write him that way. And there's no apologies for that. So uh, that Deadpool's cool. But and and you know what? Pouches were the shit back in the day. <laughs> Everybody say, you know, like it's a running joke. It's like, oh, he's got all these pouches. You know what? Yeah, it was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not Actually, anymore. Because ba- Batman has pouches now. I was going to say, Batman has pouches. He didn't used to have pouches. They had nope. fancy cartridges. Now he has pouches. No, did did they let the... this? The, what did you say, Chris? Nothing. Nothing I wanted to This whole battle for the cowl thing... Did they let the cat out of the bag with the Red Robin miniseries? Because wasn't Jason uh, not? Wasn't Jason Todd Red Robin in um, Countdown? Yes, yes. And in the solicitation for this Red Robin, they say, "Who is this mysterious superhero?" So if Jason Todd hey, is not Red hey, Robin, that, that's what you get for reading previews. That's what you get for reading Countdown. I cannot. I can't. <laughs> I can't function without previews. I, I forgot it this week. I had to to go back down to the comic shop today. It was like I was naked. Vince, uh, I, I, Tim Drake has more recently been Red, Red Robin, or Tim Wayne as he's called now. Yeah. When, when was this? In Ro- in Robin. <laughs> oh, I don't read that. Nor do I. <laughs> I don't read that. Do you not read the previews of Robin? Come on. No, I, no, I don't, I don't buy the Robin book. Either, I don't read the preview. I heard it talked about uh, on some show. I don't. I think it was actually a fanboy. They because uh, oh, so they didn't let the cat out of the bag. It's still up. You in just the did. Right. Oh, okay. Connor, I guess Connor's a big Robin fan, and he always talks about yeah. it. And he, I remember just him saying that, uh, that Tim got something recently. Tim got scarred recently. Got burnt or something, yeah. and he had scars. And, and uh, as a result, he was angry. So he donned the red Robin costume. So I, I think yeah. it's going to be a Red Robin. The, the spoiler's death didn't really make him angry, but the burns did. The burns did. Dad, no. Spoiler's back. Yeah, spoiler's back. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. Oh, hey, one, one last thing here that okay. um, I just want to get your I opinion am. on. Um, reading the uh, the Captain America comics, the James Robinson, Marcos Martin, there was an ad in there that had a star. It was the Captain America star just white on black background that said July under it. So hmm. he's back. U.S. agents in his own book, huh? U.S. agents. Nice. It may, it may be a little Hot. misdirection, but I it's saw that Patriot. and I was I was disappointed and excited at the same time because you know it'll be neat when when Steve comes back. But mm-hmm. I'm. Very happy with the Bucky Barnes Captain America, so um, I hope they're just kind of messing with us. It's funny. Oh, I come loved on. They went the journey. 25 issues without Steve Rogers. Yeah. Right? I loved the journey of Bucky becoming Cap, but I have mm-hmm. to say, 
Bucky ASCAP so far, not doing it for me. It's been like, one, like, real love it. mission. Love it. Yeah. No, I mean, the book's still very good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not, it's one of those books that I think is so good every month that it's almost yeah. taken for granted. But I'm just saying that, like, Bucky, now that he's being integrated into the rest of the Marvel Universe as Cap and he's in the Avengers and stuff. Who writes that? I'm not liking it as much as I like him in his own book. Wait, what? Oh, that's a bad, that's a Bendis book. I haven't uh, read I don't, that. I don't. I, I don't. I don't like <laughs> Spider Man in in a Bendis book, so it's all right. No, that that last uh, new Avengers, that new Avengers was hard. That didn't ridiculous. exist. That was that was <laughs> no. <laughs> it didn't exist. It's not. It's, it's not kind of like Wolverine Evolutions. Canon. No, yeah. it's not canon. It's, it's, Dude, it's, it's canon. Evolution. They're gonna put out an Avengers saga, and I'm gonna be rubbing that in all your motherfuckers' face. Like you rubbed in my face. Wait, wait. What do you mean, all you motherfuckers? Wait, hold on. What do you all you? It's not happening. That, you know why would they take great pains to hide Peter's identity, and now everybody and their brother knows? It's, no, it's not everybody and their brother. It's it's. It feels like it. No, it's it's, it's the it's the half a what? dozen people around this 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 table who and one's dead now thanks to last week. So that's one less person, and it's 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 only so Bendis can can further integrate Jessica into right know, so 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 screw with peter parker for jessica yes i mean well, i don't i don't i don't agree with it dude but at least it's you know it, it didn't happen in the amazing book so that's it, it, that's right it's, so therefore if it didn't happen in there it didn't happen right i heard all you amazing spider-man fans are going to be none too happy with this week's issue no i didn't read it nuts. <laughs> what I've do you heard mean the, fan, the Fantastic Four one? That's what I'm hearing. I was it in the Wolverine? Yeah, book? he no, he reveals his. I think he reveals his identity. <laughs> he takes his again. mask off. It's, in that, no, see, there's, there's, it looks Christ, like no. It, the story starts off saying, according to the preview pages, that this is a couple of years ago. Now, since we don't get the, we get like the first five pages of it. I don't know if. You know, I'm gonna look through it right now while you're okay. talking. All right, go ahead. I, 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 I just have to get. I just have to get past my Messiah War issues here. Oh, here it is. <laughs> How All I know is that uh, I know the uh, amazing usually gets ridiculously high ratings on the iFanboy website, and it's uh, it's getting ripped to shreds this week. So apparently, this is not this is breaking the streak of all these beautiful, wonderful issues you guys gush over. Okay, well, okay. So, so so they didn't like it. So. Look at Susie. How no, no, I don't know like about what those guys about, thought. About, about, about Kits and Susie. You know, yeah, Peter's running around without his mask. How cool beginning. would it be if we had a storyline where? Peter keeps revealing his identity to people, and they keep winding up dead. And then we find <laughs> out that it's Aunt May killing off everyone to protect nice. her own identity, to protect Peter's identity. I think that that's that's a go. We got to do that. Yes. Written by Warren Ellis. Written by Warren Ellis. <laughs> Aunt May just wiping out superheroes somehow. I think that'd be sweet. Uh, if it was Warren Ellis writing it, she would be badass. Speak with a British accent and smoke a lot. It would be awesome. That is the and only time. And have the internet on. Yeah. And she'd have a trail of fetuses dangling from her uterus, like like uh, cans on the back of a get well, um, uh, recently married car. And Willie Lumpkin would be teabagging her. No, I don't see anything oh. offensive about this issue, really. It looks pretty cool to me. All right, cool. I mean, I haven't read it, but it looks good. All right, good to I, hear. I don't is it bad that Peter reveals his identity? Yes. Well, no, I'm not. Yes, I'm not bad. saying it's not. Why though? Why is it bad? Why? Because it, it it pulls him into the Marvel universe proper, and I don't want him to be there. Because as you know, as Chris has said, Secret Invasion, all that stuff, not my cup of tea. I don't want him mixed up in that. The the book exists in its own little pocket Marvel universe perfectly. It doesn't need any other. 
characters. It doesn't need the Fantastic I, Four to come in. My feeling is that it is Peter's weight to carry, and whenever he reveals his true identity to more people, it is a way of spreading out the weight of his responsibility, which is the defining characteristic of that character. That's yeah, but does it? But, it, but, but wait, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it actually make it more perilous? Then I mean, isn't it like? The way but it is to him, he, to the people he loves. For, for those around him, yeah. yeah for those around him, sure. That's what I mean. But isn't the, isn't I mean, that weight even more so at that point then? Because he has revealed it to certain so people. So why do that, it? So why, I mean, why did Mary Jane make a deal with the devil to, to erase his past and his identity being well known if they're just going to keep throwing it out now? Yeah, because they didn't, I mean, she wanted a divorce but couldn't ask for it. Because <laughs> <laughs> didn't like that they were married. David made a good point too. Did that tell-all book that yeah, Deb, um, yeah, Deb Whitman Deb Whitman wrote? Is that all those books suddenly dis- did, they, did they all just disappear? I don't know. They went to the That's same place good. as the Spider Baby. You know. I mean, I understand the Spider- I understand the idea that it's it's an integral part of what that character is. Is that he he you know is wearing a mask because he wants to protect uh, you know the, the, the innocent people in his life. Um, but it is sort of ridiculous in some sense that, I mean, the reality of that is sort of silly. The people in his life are constantly in danger, regardless of, of if people know. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's the only reason that may exist, is to put her in danger uh, right. so that Peter can rescue her. So the idea that, not, you know, to me, revealing himself just makes that danger more possible. Yeah, but, you know, then we saw... The, on the uh, flip side, he brought May into Avengers Tower to protect her once his identity got out, and we all saw how that turned out. Yeah, so, well, yeah. I mean, it's all. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess Spider-Man, I just. I, I personally think Spider-Man is best served as an individual character. Period. I don't. Right. Yeah. Right. I just don't. And, think and who's the evil mastermind behind this whole bullshit? Come on, everybody at once. What is the source of Peter Parker's problems? Who is at the root of this whole bullshit? Norman Osborn. Joe Quesada. Tony Stark. Tony frickin' Stark. That's who the problem is. <laughs> Joe Quesada? No. Wait, well, Tony, what is the problem? To find, I don't, I, 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 you missed, you, you kind of lost me there for a second. Well, if, if Peter didn't make a deal with Tony to reveal his identity and come over to the registered side, you'd never have uh, one more day. Well, Peter's an adult. It, it would be unnecessary. Peter's a blame. He, 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 was, he was bamboozled. He was bamboozled. No, no he, was, he, he, was, he was coerced into it. <laughs> By that, by that pretty boy tin plated dictator. Well, Jesus, he's not much of a he's not much of a hero if he if he gets duped by you know by a guy in in yellow and red armor. He's, not- he's, he's a sweet talker. He he got the Black Widow. In Come, on, Come on, man. you're not. Yeah, but she was after his money and technology. <laughs> Yeah, that's like all yeah, women. Well. Uh, money, yeah. technology. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Woods not saying they all hoes. They all hoes. <laughs> Did you say none? I don't know. No, I, I, right. I understand both sides of it. I don't. I don't know. I guess I just don't care because well, it's like I just. I agree with Wood. Peter Parker exists. He's a very strong character. He doesn't need to be surrounded by other superheroes. That's just my take on it. As my yeah, man's dog said. Bitches ain't shit, but hoes and tricks. <laughs> I think the whole Avengers book is just a waste of time, anyway. But that's me. Which one? Any of? There's like a million. Quite honestly, yeah. I don't really care for any of them. I mean, I don't know. I don't. To me, it's no fun to watch guys in costumes sitting around talking, and that's what ends I think up. that's what Bendis does best. But well, 
but is that entertaining? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I th- it it can be. I think there obviously, like anything, there's there's times it's not as entertaining as others. But like, I, I think the issue where they sat around and watched the uh, the Dark Avengers and figure, try to figure who they are were some hilarious moments in that. But I would be that for twelve straight months. I just don't know, Chris. What do you think about those books? Books. Chris is t- tuned out. He he hears Bend as he turns off. But it's like yeah, all that Brubaker and. What well, do I think about what? He, how come whenever I start talking about the Avengers, you don't have my back, David? Jump in here. He doesn't have your back. This is terrible. I, no, I, <laughs> I, I, already, I already... Okay. Bacalo needs to draw. Bacalo and Townsend need to be on a Doctor Strange book right now. Yes. Yep. The, the, uh, the Doctor Strange and, uh, and, and Wiccan storyline was pretty cool. Um, is he still gay? I, what? Is yeah? Is Wiccan the gay one or is uh, th- the, is it Hulkling Hulk and Cree? They're a couple. Hulk they're they're the couple, right? They're, okay, they're all gay. Yeah, <laughs> they're just. Um, I I can't wait for Stuart Immerman to get on the book. That I, I, might I, be the only thing that that would have any interest in me reading all those books is Immerman because he's awesome and I could just yes, look at the page. Yes, I, I wouldn't actually I, have to read the words. But I, it's going to suck because you're going to have Stuart Eminem, one of the greatest artists in comics today, drawing people sitting agreed. around talking and not stuff that he does really well, which is like action fighting, cool stuff. It, you know, you'll have guys yeah. sitting around talking for 12 pages at a time. Oh, maybe a not. Clip. Maybe not. I mean, yeah, because it hasn't if, happened if, for 50 issues, yeah, you know. But, well, who's, who's Bendis had on the book that does really, really great action sequences? Who's what? Who's, who's Bendis had? As an artist on the book, that's done fantastic action sequences so far. Well, he could have any artist he wants on the book. So, well, I mean, that's not... But he tends, he, tends, he, tends, he tends to write to the artist's strength. Yeah. So I'm saying... If, oh, you know, no, no, because, no. Who? When? When does he write to artist's strengths? Oh, I don't know. I think I, I think Mighty, Mighty, Avengers? Mighty Avengers worked pretty well with Cho's strengths. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, Mighty Avengers, and, once and again, was, was more often than not talking heads. No, no, it was it was and, oh, and, no, but, uh, no, it wasn't. Not with, not, not with the Ultron, not with the Ultron arc, and not with uh, and not Silver with the arc, right? The Ben and Ben symbiote yeah. with Bagley. No, that no. wasn't that wasn't I talking heads. Everyone's getting bo- bogged down by the fact that, and, and it's an understandable criticism, is that we had a year of Secret Invasion, which was basically four talkie books, despite there being, and then a, and then a book that was the main event book, which was a bunch of splash pages with no actual story. Uh, but but I, even, and even before that, in the civil, during Civil listen, War, we I, had I'm, the Avengers I'm not, solo books. I'm not dis- delusioned by what Bendis does. I've been reading his comics for for years over and over. I mean, I've read everything that he's pretty much done in his career. I know how he writes. He doesn't write a ton of action. He may throw some action in there in 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 the Avengers and Mighty Avengers from here. But if you go through those books from from page to page and you add up how many pages are in those books are action or Interesting and how you know? Yeah, but you can say that about many not, books. What was I'm, not not a? I don't know about that, man. Ooh, I, I don't know. I don't write action a lot. I mean, does who? Who? I think most of Marvel's big dogs now are more dialogue driven. I mean, Fraction's not an action guy. Uh, I never said he was a great writer. Okay. Well, I'm not saying. Well, well, I'm saying, well, but I'm talking about the guys that are getting run. The top guy. I mean, they're, they're. I don't know that how many of them are don't make their living on the dialogue. I mean, I don't. It, well, I, I don't have a problem with dialogue. I think that's fine. I think what you do with it and how it plays out in the story is is different than I, I just. If you're going to have a book that is basically the 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 top heavy hitter superheroes in the Marvel universe all together on a team, mm-hmm. 
to me, Something. it's not really interesting to have guys sitting around a table talking okay. all the time. Issue, issue 50 didn't have it. Issue 50 had, had the big fight with the Hoods gang. And it had, it had pages by, by artists that are... How, how, how many pages was that fight? It was a, it was an exercise. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was it was yeah, but it was an it was a, a, an exercise in okay. We'll we'll match an artist with a different. I mean, no, that was only for one page though. But even even the Billy, oh, yeah, unfortunately, the even the Billy. The, yeah, that was every artist had a page based right. on with an interview. So you had an, ex- you had an extended fight. But even See. even the Billy Tan pages, unfortunately, as okay. many as they were, they they. They had the fight. They had action in that, and then yeah, and then you went and cut to the to, to, to the thing with Clint going to the news and 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 yeah. So he sat behind a desk. But how, how are you going to show action if he's talking into a camera? Just to play devil's advocate, the action scenes wouldn't matter as much without the dialogue scenes. Well, if the dialogue scenes, I mean, you have you have to you you have to set them set them up. Yeah, and, it's, and I'm not sitting here saying the, that I want you know. like just an action book of just like constant action or you know. Dual, you know, double page page spreads of, of of stuff going on, but I just think I think he he writes dialogue pretty well. Uh, it's one of his strengths, yeah. um, and I understand that. But I don't know that the Avengers is the right book for him to be writing. I don't. It's for me. There, there's not much happens in the books that he writes with these huge casts of characters. Huh? I, I mean, mean I, yeah. I I can look at Breakout. And there's a shitload of action going on in that. I, I can, uh, I mean, the, the the few trades after that. I mean, once we got into maybe House of M or Civil War, there may not have been well, a lot yes. of action. And, and in the new Avengers books, as far as the Civil War issues, those were all solo issues. Um, but yeah, things things might have been at a lull. I mean, Vince pretty much, I think, read most of the Bendis Bagley Ultimate Spider-Man run. I don't know how much yeah. action was in there, how much talking heads were in there. It's a high school student, so... I there, there, There's a lot of dialogue in it, but I think he made a... He did a, a very nice balance of, of action and dialogue in that book. I think, I think it's it why works it works so well. I think it works better with that character because or with that book because it's one character, basically. Right. Right. I will okay. agree Sal on that front. I, I do think Bendis is at his best when he's focusing on character-driven plot, and I think it's harder for him to do juggling that many characters in one book. So I, that's actually why I'm very excited about Spider-Woman, uh, for two reasons. One, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a project he's been dying to do, which I always think whenever a creator gets to do something that's been, you know, something they've wanted to pursue for, it it's always has a leg up in terms of it being successful. And two, it's it's again, it's, it's, it's one character that he's going to focus on, and he's got an artist that we know he can tell good stories with in Alex Malev. So I think that I, I expect I expect Spider Woman. I have very high expectations that Spider Woman will be closer to Alias than it is the last two years of New Avengers. And I've enjoyed New Avengers too. I'm not panning it like you, but I'm saying I, I do think I do think Bendis is at his best. I mean, he's quote unquote Bendis when he's telling great stories that are character driven. And it, I agree, yeah. it's hard to do that in a team book. I think it's yeah, nearly impossible to do it in a team book, and and I don't think it's something you'd want in a team book necessarily because then it's not a team book. You know, if you're trying to focus on individual characters every moment and give them all due, and I mean, it's it's not. It just generally doesn't work in that kind of a book. You know, when he's dealing with one or two characters, I think he is at his best. I think he can, uh, you, you know, delve into those characters' psyches and their worlds and their you know their lives and really give you something uh, unique. Um, I don't think he's done that in the last you know five years, quite honestly. I think I, I think he's writing the wrong kinds of books. 
but that's just my opinion. I don't, you know, I mean, I, I have not enjoyed his stuff for a long time, and I was a tremendous Bendis fan. Um, Alias is still one of my favorite books that Marvel's ever published. I think it's unbelievable. His Daredevil stuff is fantastic. Uh, before that, you know, I still read Powers. Um, it's not nearly as good as it was, but it, at one point it was it was absolutely wonderful. Um, you know, and I've read all, all his other stuff, Torso and, 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 and Jinx and all that, you know, stuff too. But um, I just don't think that he works well with these gigantic event, you know, uh, huge cast books. I don't think it. I think it's a very tough job, and I don't think he does it particularly well. I think he he shoehorns stuff in there, but most often it's uh, yeah. it's him pl- placating his fans with sort of fanboyish little moments here and there, and no real meat to much of what he does. Yeah, I think, I think to use a, a sports analogy, he's he's a he's a very good player who is playing out of position. Yeah, you know he's a he's he's a point guard trying to play center. Well, for those huge cast team books, I think a big part of the writer's job is to allow the history or it, to drag that history of the character along for the ride without specifically delineating that history like if you have a book with captain america and iron man and thor and you know mantis just say this whole huge cast and you have to do it in 22 pages you have to allow what the readers or what you assume the readers know about these characters you can't keep bringing it up there's not enough room here's an idea if you have a captain america iron man thor hulk book don't make the focus fucking jessica jones I'll agree with that. Yeah, you know what I mean? I Go right. do something. Yeah. Go do something. Go be a team of heroes. Don't you know? Don't sit around questioning yourselves and 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 watching television all the time. I, some don't of that care fine. about I, your baby. I, he does it <laughs> interesting. He does interesting moments from time to time with that kind of thing, and I think it can be entertaining. And and there can be, but I don't want a whole book of that ever. And, and don't force poor people to take poor Peter Parker to take his mask off. It's <laughs> nasty. Well, if you want to read a good Marvel action team book, Guardians of the Galaxy, folks. If you're not reading, there you go. Right, that's a team book. Which brings me yeah. back, Vince, to what I wanted to say 20 minutes ago. We're going to wrap up the word balloon <laughs> of the week. What's the word balloon of the week? Wood Cosmo, the Russian cosmonaut, psychic dog, is getting ready to teleport the rest of the Guardians into the Area 42 to help save Peter Quill from the throes of Blastar. And Rocket Raccoon says, you can really put us within four meters of him? And Cosmos says, remember folks, he's Russian and he has a Russian accent. He says, ease as peasy. (laughs) 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 Ease as peasy, I do it. (laughs) Ridiculous. Absolutely brilliant. Redonkulous. Abbott Landing are redonkulous. They are off the chain. <laughs> see, Actually, now that's that's fun. See, that, see how yeah, simple yeah. that is? Yeah. Right. He said easy, easy. He said ease as peasy. It's brilliant. It's like Yakov Shmirnov living inside of a, a dog with powers. I love it. I love actually it. picked up War Kings, so I'm going to read the first two issues maybe tonight. So gorgeous book. Can't go wrong with with DNA, that's for sure. You're doing awesome. Okay, that's it. We've really overstayed yeah. our welcome. Rack Richards. Yeah, but that's all right because we get, we got a compelling guest. Oh God. Yeah, he is, and we love him. So, uh, in your travels, 
do yourself a favor and uh, read The Boys nice. from Dynamite. Uh, we talked about it a little bit tonight. Uh, go back and read Sandman Mystery Theater. Woohoo. I'd David. say, oh. Go ahead, No, guest. no, you can go. Uh, He's slacking off. You can go. Quit calling me guest. Oh. So either call me Sal or Brian. <laughs> Dude. Uh, Dude. Uh, I would say read Comic Book Comics by Fred. You fuck. And, <laughs> was I gonna, were you nice. going to say that? I was absolutely going to say that. What? Really? Oh. Yep. Wow, that's I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of the third issue right now. It's fantabulous. It really is. It's off the chain. All right, so I'll, I'll pick another one. Because um, I was going to talk about it tonight, but it's all right. Um, well, I wish you would have. <laughs> no, no. We have a guest. Uh, Oracle <laughs> The Cure, number one. Boobies. I saw those covers you you, you, uh, yeah. you posted. Actually, I, nice cleavage. I showed it. The Cure? Oracle the Cure. It's a Battle for the Cal book for some strange fucking reason. I have no, no, no idea I, why yeah, it's that. It's, no, I ordered it, but yeah, I didn't I know. know. It's, 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 yeah, the, the title of the book is Oracle, but yeah, the story, it, it's Oracle, semicolon, the cure, and it's, uh, it, it, aside from a, colon, uh, a colon, colon, thank you, aside from uh, an you appearance by, by dad um, and an and a answering machine message left by Dick, I have no idea why this would have a battle aside for money. Why I would have a battle for the cow heading oh, above just, it? Just, just I know, I know, I know. Yeah. And um, and yeah, so that is it's three issues. I like the first issue and uh, give it a shot. Okay, uh, read Agents of Atlas. Nice. Always. I'm abstain- abstaining from the Battle for the Cow books. I um, you, know, can w- you can wake me up when uh, Morrison and Quitely's Batman and Robin ships, because then I'll start buying the books. Oh, I was I, I could get it. I'll save it for next week because I also showed it to Renee. I wanted to get her opinion on a couple of things in the book and uh, and the cover. But I, I read this issue and uh, and the Azrael first issue, and and I actually did like them both. There you go. Things are looking up for David in DC. So happy. Yeah, Blackest Night's coming, baby. Yep. yep. Yeah, and what about forty-eight issues for that? Probably, yeah. But it's it's nuts. Over 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 eight months. Over eight months. That's insane. It, it is. is. It's crazy. Very Just read what, read what John's writes. Yep. By no, the way, I'm, I'm surprised. Be All right. Happy. None of us talked about Flash Rebirth, huh? And none of us read it yet. That's right. I don't think. I did read you? It. I did. I did. Yeah. I read it. A good number one issue to the series. So. Looks sweet. Didn't get a chance to read it. Yet. Faint yeah. praise. Um, well, I wasn't blown away by it. I wasn't uh, uh, absolutely, you know, captured by it like I was Green Lantern Rebirth. But that may be because I have a different, um, different feelings about Barry Allen than I do with Hal mm-hmm. Jordan. You know, I don't really have any feelings for Barry Allen, quite honestly. What did so, uh, Tom think of it? I think he really liked it. I, I think he posted on our forum about it that. Uh, he was really looking forward to it because he hasn't read a Flash title in about a year. Uh, so he was just looking forward to a Flash title he could actually read. Um, but I think he really liked it. I mean, it was, I don't think it was bad, and I think it certainly... There was stuff in it just that I picked up on from just, like, listening to Tom versus the Flash and having read some of the older, you know, Barry Allen Flash stuff along with that, that I was like, oh, I know that character. I know that when that happened. I know, you know, there was sort of like that Jeff Johns, you know, Easter egg stuff that he puts in there. Um, but going into it with really a very limited history with Barry Allen, um, I wasn't, like, 
completely blown away by it. Uh, at least not the first issue. And art-wise, as much as I like Ethan Van Skyver, I didn't really care for some of the stuff in this by him. Um, as as much as I like his stuff, th- there were scenes in here that were just seemed so packed full of stuff that I couldn't. I couldn't. He's, get, he's, get, he's getting very George Perez. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Like there's just so many characters yeah, in, in a panel and kind of strikes. A little bit, you know, and and uh, so there was some stuff in there that I was just sort of like, I'm gonna have to go back and read it again. But um, you know, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. It's, that, that's my take on it, at least. All right. All right. Are we done? Are we done? Been done? Yes, we are done. No, we're still recording. I know. We're done. done. So All let's right, get into Stan and so, Jack then. <laughs> no, uh, I know Wood's no. been waiting for it. Uh, so let's no. Stan. Stan was a wonderful man that wrote many, many wonderful comics and co-created a lot of lovable, beloved characters. How about that? Is that so hard? The end. Did that like hurt? Ravage, like Ravage, like Ravage twenty ninety nine. That kind of hurt your ass a yeah. little to say that, didn't it? His, fi- his fingers and toes to, were crossed. You know, you got to be sort of diplomatic. Vince is because I don't to do, like, so we should let him go. No, I don't really know the. I don't know the whole story, and I don't think anyone could ever know the whole story by the, at this point. So, I'll, I'll, you know, cut my losses and yeah, he's all right. He's okay. All right, we will see you next. We won't see you. We will uh, talk to you next week here. Uh, thanks for joining us. Say, say bye bye. Later. Bye. Kiss it. Night, Mario. Peace out.